0: This is Peter from the Forgotten Flesh Remembers podcast and the upcoming Retro Movie Geek podcast. I just wanted to take the opportunity to wish you all a Merry Christmas
1: and a happy but safe New Year. And remember, you're listening to the Horror Movie Podcast, but they're dead serious about horror movies and review
0: the hell out of them. <laughs>
2: Christmas and if you're not into Christmas if that's not your thing then happy holidays or happy winter solstice Which is December 22nd, for those who don't know. Welcome. This is Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 78. It's our Christmas horror episode for 2015. What do you guys think about that? Not bad. I'm
1: excited. All right. Favorite show of the year.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Is it? Okay, well, I want to ask you about it. Why is it your favorite show of the year, by the way? I love Christmas. (laughs)
1: <laughs> for one thing um, you know a, a lot of horror fans their favorite holiday is Halloween it's up there but, but Christmas is my favorite and I like scary Christmas movies I think it's in the DNA of Christmas and I, you know it's something we've talked about I think on the show in years past but you know the there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long long ago I love that aspect of it you know I think from probably it was A Christmas Carol we, we've had these ghost stories probably before yeah. that um, as part of our Christmas traditions and so I always love a good scare for the holidays and I I don't know I just love the discussion and the discussion we had Jay last year Mm -hmm. if people ever heard that Christmas episode that was one of the most fun times I've ever had on this podcast was talking about those Christmas movies oh wow
2: that's good to hear yeah well I in a second I have a theory because it seems very counterintuitive and odd that people would pair horror with Christmas but I have a theory on why ghost things get associated with Christmas. But really quick, if you're a first-time listener, on horror movie podcasts, we like to bring you in-depth horror movie reviews, especially on new releases, and we give you ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, and I'm podcasting from Salt Lake City on a Friday night tonight. And my co-hosts are Dave, Doctor Shock
3: Becker, from just outside Philadelphia, PA,
2: and Wolfman. John- Gosh,
1: I had a great quote, and I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. Which, I know. I remember, shepherd has got to protect his flock.
2: That's right, brother. <laughs> That's true. So, here's why I think ghosts are associated with Christmas, or, or why this ends up happening, like, as with the Christmas Carol. Um, I think that at Christmas time, obviously, we are... Reflecting on family, and especially if you've lost family members, you really think back to that and i so I think people's thoughts are turned toward the dead as well, and I think that um probably if if anybody else's experience is similar to mine, you probably dream about people that you've lost more often now, this seems kind of out there, but I think that because people are kind of they're with them or they're they're on your mind so much i I could see that. You know, spreading into you know these Christmas tales associated with ghosts.
3: Oh, interesting.
2: Just a theory, but anyway.
3: I um, can't say I've ever dreamt
1: of anything like that, but.
2: Oh really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of wild.
1: Not sure visions of sugar plums for everyone.
2: That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's what we would hope. So, so wow. guys, um, we we have organically ended up doing this anyway. This is kind of just something that has happened. With this podcast, but I, I love it, and I think we should just make this a full blown official segment where we discuss real life horror in the news. Um, and, and obviously, I just want to say this is not to exploit, um, you know, the uh, misfortunes of people. But I want I I like to underscore the fact that the things that we watch in the cinema and horror cinema a lot of that is inspired or born out of real life circumstances. And so, i I, it's kind of my, I don't know why I have this, but it's my ongoing mission to kind of um, teach the world why horror is significant and important. And I think that by going over these kind of stories, um, it it just, it kind of solidifies that for me. And it just, it validates the fact that, yeah, horror is a real thing and you can't like hide from it.
3: Teach the world. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was the dude, one of our listeners who, and I apologize if it wasn't the dude, but someone shared a crazy story from the news on our, uh, bears attack episode recently. I went back and visited the comments section for that and that was, yeah, it was just a perfect example of like this is intense, horrific tragedy happening in real life. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think there is something to that idea that Jay, that you always talk about, of it kind of puts things into perspective about the things you can be grateful for in your own life and how things maybe aren't so bad. <laughs> the little things we get yeah. hung up on day to day aren't so bad.
2: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and like one example I have um for this evening, I know Josh has brought one to the table too. But this I was I was at work, okay? So I was enjoying the mundane, right? And it was daytime, and I read this story, and I had chills all the way down my back. This flipped me out, okay? I read, here's the headline, Germany, Korean woman dies in apparent exorcism, five arrested, okay? This is from msn.com. Now, please allow me to read this to you. Um, This will freak you guys out. Berlin. Okay. German police have arrested five South Koreans on suspicion of murder following the death of a relative in an exorcism ritual in the city of Frankfurt, prosecutors said. Officers discovered the body of the 41-year-old woman in a hotel room Saturday when the suspects called a priest after it became apparent that the victim had died, the prosecutor said. When he's Quote, when he saw what had happened, he notified the reception and they called the police. Unquote. She identified the suspects as relatives of the victim, a 44-year-old woman, her 21-year-old son, a 19-year-old daughter, and two 15-year-old boys, one of whom is the son of the dead woman. Quote, they all belong to one big family, Nielsen said, and that's um, the prosecutor. They came to Germany from South Korea six weeks ago and had rented a house in Salzbach, but didn't stay there much. And Neeson said the suspects wanted to expel a demon that they believed had possessed the woman. They exerted, quote, massive force on her chest and stomach area while stuffing a towel and clothes hanger into her mouth to stop her screaming, she said. Wow. And according... to current information, the suspect subjected the victim to pain and agony for at least two hours, and their actions were motivated by a callous and merciless attitude, said the uh, prosecutor. The woman eventually died from asphyxiation as a result of the massive chest compression and violence to her neck, and a second woman, who was also 41 years old, was found inside the garage of the house that the family had rented, said the prosecutor. She was taken to the hospital suffering from hypothermia and dehydration. It's not exactly clear what happened to her, but we're still investigating that. So that's uplifting to start out your Christmas holiday. But the reason I wanted to talk about this story, here's what's freaky. Now, I I, I do, I believe, like as far as my like religious beliefs, I believe in such a thing as like heaven and hell. I believe in a devil. But, but let's just say what really freaks me out most about this story Let's just say that she wasn't actually possessed, okay?
3: Yeah. Let's say I think think we could make that. Let's 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 take that leap of faith. Okay.
2: Well, the reason I I know that sounded funny, but like, but the reason I say that is because um, you know if if there is let's just speculate for a minute maybe people think I'm ridiculous if there is you know a devil let's say and if that woman was not possessed then I think it's ironic that that presumably the devil or something um, must have possessed these people, these family members to decide to do these awful things to this woman. Do you right. see what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so like whatever crime, quote unquote, like spiritual crime or whatever affliction she had within her, um, it couldn't have been worse than what those people did to her. So that's insane. That's so scary to think about to me.
1: Yeah, it's yeah like, I mean, uh, yeah I don't know how to think about it in those terms i guess i th- I think about it differently. I think of um the way that we would think about a possession now is mostly the way I would see of people of biblical times trying to find a way to explain uh, mental illness or right like that, so
2: right, yes. And, and that's, yeah, because there's that aspect, too. But, I mean, I think that, like, if a person believes in actual evil, then uh, perhaps that one wasn't possessed at all. I mean, something possessed all the family members to take her life, though. And, yeah, and,
3: it's, and they, they, it's funny how they talk about an exorcism in the, um, in the article. Was that the, wasn't that the headline?
2: Yeah, yeah. A woman
3: dies in exorcism. But it didn't seem like they did anything to actually exorcise
1: the demon.
2: Yeah, not according to the movies we've seen. Right. That's not how it works. But. Yeah,
1: I mean, call the priest immediately, I would say. Don't wait till she dies. Right. They get the towel out of her mouth and call a priest.
2: Yeah, so that's bizarre. So, anyways, that's one story. And I know, Josh, you have one too, right?
1: Well, mine's not as epic as yours because that is an insane, insane story. Uh, this one just caught my eye because I had just been talking. Uh, with my travel companion. I've been, you know, I've been traveling and just got home. And while uh, on the road, we were talking about Christmas horror because I was preparing for this episode. And we were talking about, um, you know, the Silent Night Deadly Night films and Silent Night, the remake that we reviewed last year. And um, he was just, you know, reading the news and said, oh, wow, like this story sounds like it's right out of Silent Night. And that kind of caught our attention, basically. Um, a North Carolina teenager was killed. Um, he was working to clear trees and was pulled into a wood chipper. um, he was a 19 year old. He was working for a, a tree service just for the day to earn some extra money for the holidays. Um, and he was working with two experienced people. And according to the owner of the company, wasn't doing anything that should have been, you know, dangerous, for you know, that he needed more experience to do necessarily, um, but unfortunately for him, he was kind of trying to kick uh, part of the tree down into the chipper, and it got a hold of him. And, wow! Ooh.
3: And I've I've worked with which I, I I for two years I worked with a tree surgeon. Um, you know when I was right out of high school, and yeah. those things I've I've had where I was throwing brush in and my glove you know we wore gloves and, and my glove got pulled in and boy it, it got shredded down to nothing i mean it's like yeah that's i mean you think of, i the first thing i think of uh, aside from that is obviously that scene at fargo
2: yeah exactly that's what uh, i thought that, that of sort too. of
3: ending scene in fargo but yeah, yeah. Dude, those things are those things are a little a little scary
1: yeah absolutely so that was Mason Scott Cox, and uh, rest in peace, young lad. And, uh, you know, it's it's a terrible tragedy for someone that young to lose their life in such a, a meaningless way, and wow. uh, it's it's sad. Um, and that was just this last Saturday, I believe, at the time of this recording. Or I guess it would be the Saturday before. That it was December fifth, which is Saint Claus It's the oh. it's the Saint Nicholas Day.
2: Actually. Oh, that's
1: the, weird. The Saint it's Nicholas in- Eve. Yeah,
3: interesting. Yeah, we I had something very very bizarre happened to me. Um, actually the day we put up our Christmas lights, oh,
4: what which, was that?
3: which I was not here for that. My, I was at work. Um, but later that night, uh, my son and I, we were, we we're going up to a, it's, we have a convenience store in this area called it's called Wawa actually W A W A. Um, and we were heading up there or we were heading back from there and we're coming down our road and I live, you know, like kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I live off of a road called Faust. And this is, it's funny because right before moving up here years ago, I found a book of ghost stories of Pennsylvania and supposedly one of the earliest ghosts in the United States. The story happened off of Faust Road, like the road I, right behind my house here. But anyway, we're coming down the road and it's dark, you know, it's, it's night. And I see a flash of white on the driver's side where my son was sitting just a flash of white. And I was like, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. We get a couple of yards Now My son goes, did you see that? And I said, yeah, something white. He goes, something stood up next to the car. Oh, no. He goes, it just stood up. I said, what was it? He goes, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the story.
4: <laughs> yeah, <Yikes.
3: laughs> it's, 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 it's something stood up. It was completely white in black. In, you know, darkness. I mean, it was like nighttime out. Just this white thing stood up. And I only brought up the ghost because my son, I had told him that before we moved up here. And now he's petrified to go with me anymore <laughs> to to the <laughs> Wawa. And I got to tell you, I'm a little nervous out there myself now. I have no idea what it was. It hasn't happened since. Just that night, just this white thing, just he said it stood up. He said he just saw something. It looked like something standing up. Wow. And he couldn't identify it. He couldn't say what it was.
2: Maybe it was an abominable snowman.
3: Could have been, or after seeing a Christmas
1: <laughs> horror story. I hope, it, or it could have been Krampus. Maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Are you guys familiar with Mal Blum, the musician Mal Blum?
2: No. no. She's
1: like an indie singer-songwriter. She's She kind of sounds like Kimia Dawson style. Anyway, she's got a song. Uh, the, only, the only reference I know to the Wawa, she has a song called I Was Crying at the Wawa. And... Um, <laughs> And now I know why. She, she saw.
3: She there saw she, she might have seen something. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, Wawa's, Wawa's great. You can get anything there. I mean, you can get dinner there. But um, yeah, but I think it's mostly because I live off of uh, this Faust Road. And
4: uh,
3: <sighs> I'm really out in the middle of nowhere. Faust Road? You saw this thing on Faust Road? Faust no, Road. Yeah, it was that's, on, that's the uh, name of the road. Faust Road. getting serious. Yes, we are. And is, that is back. I mean, like the first ghost was like 1760. Um, I read the story about this girl saw somebody on their thatch roof throwing thatch down off of the roof, just this guy, and started talking to it. And her father was like, you know, who are you talking to? Because nobody else saw anything. And it was a guy who was very upset because he owed a woman money and he couldn't get her the money. So the father said he would try to find this person, you know, that, that they owed the money to Well, the father never did, and the next year, they found him in the middle of a field, the father, frozen to death. He had just frozen to death in the middle of his field. That's And this is like 1760. Oh,
2: my goodness.
3: And ever since I started this podcast, they're happening to me, and I'm not liking it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, when I have creepy things happen to me, I'm like, do you know who I am? I'm Jay of the Dead. Bring it on. (laughs) Because I need some content. We need some stories. Um,
3: On on an up note, though, I've got to say, I'm having, as we're doing this podcast, I'm having a beer, and it is Mad Elf.
4: Oh, nice.
3: It's one they come out with only at Christmas, and it has this sort of crazed elf on the front of it. It's 11% alcohol, (laughs) so it's pretty strong, uh, but they only come out with it around the holidays. It's from Trogues, which is out of Hershey, PA.
2: Oh, okay. So
3: anybody in this area, you should definitely try it because it's... It's not bad.
1: Picks
2: them up at the Wawa.
3: Yeah, well, you can't get them at the Wawa, unfortunately. Yeah. But wherever you wherever you can wherever fine beers are sold.
2: Well, um, one other. <laughs> so one other thing, yeah, I was going to have a uh, hot chocolate for this episode, but I. Mmm. Um, yeah, because I thought that would be a really nice fit. Maybe we should just pause and go make some. I'm
1: going to get some cider if you're doing that.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, may, well, maybe we. Should, I mean, if. See, that's one of my podcasting rules. I think it's important to have a good drink. And um, if Dave has one, geez. uh, I do.
3: I do. I do have a good one. It's very good.
2: (laughs) Well, the other thing. So there was one other story, and I apologize profusely to this uh, young lady, one of our female listeners, and I cherish our lady listeners. But I I have misplaced. I cannot find it to save my life. But she sent in a real-life horror story, too. And it was about, it was a very Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque story. Mm. Um, and I believe it was the one from uh, People magazine. Um, well, it's, it's it was listed in lots of places, obviously. But but basically, um, there was a Pennsylvania couple and there was a chainsaw murder, suicide that mm. was horrific. And mm. she sent that to us because she thought that it would be, send the chill down our spine since that's you know, our favorite horror film is Texas Chainsaw yeah. doc. But anyway, yeah,
3: Pennsylvania Chainsaw Massacre.
2: <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I, yeah, it's, it's real. Watch your backs out there. Cause I think one of the values of, um, you know, being familiar with horror films is you look at life a little bit differently and you are a little more, uh, you know, skeptical and wary of people. Honestly, like I'm, I'm more careful about this
3: dis- i don't disagree with that i you know i agree i absolutely agree with you a hundred percent
2: yeah well in- of course there
3: are times when you run away from things that are probably completely innocent
2: well let me let me give you an example of one one more thing real quick since i mean and this is our christmas party so i hope everybody else has cider and um they're having fun and listening to this but it's your eggnog yeah and your eggnog and so forth but You're i mad elf <laughs> You guys are cracking me up. So uh, we were on our way back uh, on Thanksgiving break. We were traveling up through the state of Utah, and we stopped at a um, historical site. It is um, and, and here in Utah, there are a lot of historical sites having to do with the LDS church. And there was this historical site that was like a fort. And what you do is, (laughs) my wife wanted to go to it. Is it the All Stone Fort? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, the cove. It's called like Cove Fort or something like that. Anyways, such a cool place. It is a cool place, actually. But but here's what happens when you first pull up into there. Okay, um, there are all these houses that look exactly alike. I mean, they look like they were made as inexpensively as possible. And they're just like white siding and they look exactly alike. And it made me think of um, the Ty West movie, The Sacrament, right? Um, with the Jonestown stuff. Because like everything looked the same. And so this really nice fellow walks out and he's like, Hey, uh, yeah, you want to take our tour? And he walks over to this little tiny building. Okay. And it's a, it's like a, a little log cabin. It's super small. And he's like, here, walk inside of here. And I have my whole family with me. And, and, and he... <laughs> And he's like, okay, watch this film first. And he shuts the door. <laughs> and and it's this little tiny place. And I am genuinely freaked out a little bit. because Yeah, I
3: don't blame
2: you. Uh, because <laughs> my wife sitting there and she's like, what? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, if you had seen the movies that I've seen, you wouldn't just come in here and sit down willingly. <laughs> because, you wouldn't have
3: trusted this guy.
2: Yeah, because it it honestly felt like, here's what it felt like. Okay, we're going to sit in here, and then he shut the door and lock it, and then they're going to put some kind of gas in here that knocks us out, and we're going to wake oh. up, uh, you know, with, with centipede drawings or just strapped to something, and um, it was really freaky, and, and, and you know, uh, that's what horror has <laughs> done to me. It
3: does, and you don't realize, like, how quickly it can happen to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you're just... You're just-
1: when we I mean, first started horror podcasting back in the horror Metropolis days, that was the, you know, I was, I've always been a horror fan, but it wasn't until we were doing the podcast where I was like, I was like binging horror movies to, you know, to prepare for these shows. I got so paranoid around that time. And I was actually <laughs> kind of, there was a part of me that was relieved when that podcast went under. Cause I was like, geez, I'm like <laughs> so paranoid every night going to sleep, like checking all the windows and like seeing Michael Myers out standing out in my backyard. And, um,
2: you have Honestly, to.
1: my wife thinks I'm my wife thinks I'm way over paranoid about like safety precautions, you know. Well, and no. now that we had that break in next door, it's the best thing that's ever happened in terms of her finally being like, "Oh yeah, like let's put locks on the doors." Yeah, that's, right.
3: that's, yeah exactly. Actually, it's funny because I'm ever since we started around that time, I guess me, I guess for me, it would be Planet Macabre. I wake up sometimes in an absolute panic, you know, like I just oh, wake up and I'm like, I'm, I don't know what it is, but there's something that I wake up and I'm, I'm absolutely panicked. And it could just be that my kids and my wife think it's the funniest thing in the world, but <laughs> I'm petrified. I'm scared to death. Like for about 10 seconds after I wake up that there's something absolutely horrific going on around me. Yeah, I'm convinced of it. And that's how that. Right. And I wake up with that all the time.
1: I mean, I I know we've got a lot of hardcore horror fans as listeners who watch horror almost, you know, uh, exclusively. Yeah. But I will say that as horror podcasters, we probably watch ten times more than the average casual horror fan. Right. So it does kind of it does have an effect on you.
2: Yes, it does, and and you know what's weird about this to me is I almost never ever have nightmares. I mean, it's really rare. I'm just the kind of person who doesn't. And I think the reason for that is because I'm, I'm always so like aware and afraid of the world around me in the first place. <laughs> like I'm always thinking something crazy is going to happen <laughs> that, you know, I sleep well at night, you know, but, um, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy how wow. it affects you, but everybody be vigilant. Cause here's the thing. And this is, this is, I'll leave you with this. This is your little Christmas present from Jay of the Dead. <laughs> When we watch these movies where bad things happen to people, like, what, 90% of the time, they're adults, okay? Mm-hmm. But you got to ask yourself, if you think about it, you know, we we always think, okay, it's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen to me because I'm an adult and I'm strong or whatever. But when people get in these scenarios, it's because, you know, something was slipped in their drink or something like that. And that's the scary part to me. It's not. It's not like in these situations when these bad things happen. It's not like, oh, okay, we got to fight to the death right now. You don't really get that chance. They get the jump on you somehow.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. Because you sometimes you'll never see it coming.
2: That's right. You know,
3: like you're driving down the road. All of a sudden, you're stopped at a red light. You're the only car around. I was. I was thinking about this the other day because I went into work at like three forty-five. It was three forty-five in the morning, and I'm heading into work. There's nobody else in the road. And I'm sitting there at a red light, and I'm thinking, you know, if a van just suddenly pulls up in front of my car, and these guys get out with like machine guns or something, and they're telling me to get out of the car, yeah. I'm done. You know, what what am I going to do in those type of situations? You always think, oh, I can get out of it, I can get out of
1: it, but you can't. Right. You know, and and, and that's like, when David you... listed in a tactical driving
2: course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've got a I've got a theory on. on I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'd probably just, you know, pee my pants and cry, but like, but I'm just saying that if something bad happens like that, I, I do have a theory uh, on what to do. Tell me what uh-huh. you guys think about this. And maybe I shouldn't say it on the podcast in case somebody happens to listen to this podcast, who's insane. And then they're going to come and get me. And then they would know that it's just a tact, like a tactical strategy that I'm trying, but here it is. I'll just put it out there. Cause we're all friends. Can I guess? <laughs> yeah, say it.
1: Is it, is it. is it Berserker
2: mode? Is that what you're going to do? We'll, we'll talk more about that. That's interesting. I like this.
1: Uh, well, that's I know that's William Rowan Jr.'s move is he just goes Berserker mode. He's like, if I'm crazier than them, then they will get in
2: back <laughs> on. Yeah, that's actually, there is that's very effective. And it is, my my idea, my theory is kind of a riff on that. Because you know how like almost always like they either have like, they have a gun to the head of somebody you love, or something like that, right? Um, well, and I know that that's unthinkable, right? But uh-huh. what? But what if? What if you were just like you just went went after them, and because it's like no, you didn't do that, you know? And you just flipped out, and and maybe maybe not. I mean, I know the crazy thing is one aspect of it, but what if you just? If they didn't stop, because like you said, Dave, when they have machine guns on you, you're going to do what they say. Right. Right. And, but uh, but yeah, what if you but didn't, didn't house, do what they you say?
3: Know, it's like if you think about it and yeah, I hate to do this. I'm not I don't mean to, you know. But if you think of like nine eleven, mm-hmm. OK, the planes. Right. Everybody was in the mode of, OK, let's just do what they want and everything will be OK. And you basically had these these terrorists who took over the planes with with box cutters yes the threat of a bomb they didn't actually have a bomb but the threat of a bomb and it wasn't okay i mean it was it was horrific you know it was it was what happened it's it's just one of those situations where and i I do it's funny maybe it's the horror movies i think about that kind of stuff all the time like how would you react
2: (laughs) And and that's just it, Dave. You said it really well right there. The thing is, if somebody is coming to take you away or your family away, then it's probably not going to go well. So right. you might as well just jump in and go for it right then. That's uh, what I think. Right, Josh?
1: Yeah. I mean, I heard statistics on this sometime with kidnapping that, you know, you're better off trying to get free because there's a good chance they're going to kill you. Right, right,
2: that's right. Yep, so everybody listening to this podcast, um, think of us and take inspiration if something bad happens. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but like just go nuts and freak out because,
3: <laughs> you know, yeah, there you go. It'd
2: be like, do you know who you're messing with? I listen to horror movie <laughs> podcasts and I'm dead serious about horror movies, just tell them that, and they'll just. Feel sorry for you. No, anyway.
1: feel sorry for you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you pee your pants, they'll
2: just leave you alone because they don't want to deal with the mess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Who, exactly.
3: Wants Who wants to put you in their car, even in their trunk after you do that?
2: Now, speaking of, this is our Christmas episode, and since we're telling all these uplifting things, <laughs> Josh, I, I promised the listeners over on Movie Podcast Weekly that you would explain a little more in-depth background on the uh character of uh krampus now is it krampus or krampus
1: well it's probably uh pronounced in in austria as krampus but i i said krampus. krampus yeah yeah okay. I,
3: that's what i need we're in america um, here jay okay yeah and I mean, i've heard
1: everything it. incorrectly in okay, the movies
3: <laughs> i've heard i think they've pronounced it krampus
1: ask
2: one um <laughs> yeah Okay. So tell us about it and, and tell us, cause you, cause you actually have some inside knowledge. You've actually talked to some people who have, uh, Krampus as part of their culture, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I lived in Austria for just a few months and one of my really good friends is from Austria and that's the primary region where, um, Krampus and are celebrated. Um, and so I don't, I mean, I'm not an expert on this by any means, so don't quote me on it. But basically my understanding is it's a Bavarian tradition. And so um, the Bavarian language covers parts of Germany, Austria, uh, northern Italy, Hungary, part of Switzerland. But it's like, it's a region, right? Um, but as far as I know, Krampus-Nachtin are is primarily um, celebrated in In Austria, and basically, it's you know like Santa Claus himself. A lot of these, the the legend of Krampus is tied into this interwoven uh, mixture of early Christianity, Catholicism, and paganism. And so, uh, Krampus, yeah, I mean, some believe is kind of this pagan. Horned God, that we have kind of um, taken his imagery and used it, you know, as the devil in Western culture. But basically, he was paired up with Saint Nicholas. Um, and now, Saint Nicholas is a saint who uh, obviously everyone knows it was an actual Catholic saint um, who. Traditionally, through the Dutch, through Sinterklaas has kind of made his way into Western tradition as Santa Claus. But in these Bavarian cultures, they still actually celebrate the Sinterklaas holiday. And in, in Holland is the, is the main place where Sinterklaas is practiced. That is um, December 6th, I guess. And on December 5th, Santa Claus or St. Nicholas comes – and you know, brings you chocolate um, and presents or whatever to your house on on the fifth of December, and then they still have their Christmas days on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. So those are about Jesus and the holiday, you know, the Christmassy, um, the presents and the chocolate and stuff is earlier in the month. But there's also this character we talked about last year on our Christmas show, Black Pete, and Black Pete is Santa Claus's evil little helper that comes and and takes the bad kids. In, into slavery, yeah. um, and Krampus is related to to that. Um, but you know, one of the other sources for Santa Claus is the um, Odin, the character of Odin in, mytho- in Norse mythology. Ooh. And Odin was accompanied by two black ravens, and um, that that's also where the black Pete idea, some say, came from, is Odin. So it, it's this big hodgepodge of Norse myth and Greek myth and paganism and Catholicism, where we get all of these characters. But Krampus is one of those that's been paired with St. Nicholas in Austria, and he takes the place of a Black Pete, and he comes and he kidnaps the bad kids, as they say in the movie Krampus, that we'll be talking about tonight, not to reward the good but punish the evil. And, um, yeah, and Krampus is... As another title of another film that we're going to briefly discuss, kind of like The Christmas Double.
2: But, but, you know, here's something that, and maybe this was just from one particular movie because I've seen a couple of these now for this show. But, um, but isn't it ultimately though, Krampus is doing something that is, um, altruistic in some ways, right? I mean, even though there's punishment being, you know, you know inflicted and so forth but but krampus's objective is to do something good ultimately like santa
1: claus would leave a bit of coal in your stocking um black pete would kidnap you and put you on a slave ship to spain krampus is going to take your soul back to hell yeah so it's a (laughs) a
2: little more severe right so, so maybe that's not, um, <laughs> But
1: you know, so they have these Krampus night, nights, you know, Nochten in, in, in Austria, primarily in Salzburg, the sound of music country, right. Um, where they, you know, they have all these people in the village come down dressed as these giant horned furry beasts. Uh, one thing that, that they get wrong in a lot of the movies is Krampus traditionally has one, a hooved foot and one human foot and um, they come and they chase people around and they actually hurt people they like beat them with with like sticks and with um, and, and things and you know I mean it, to the not to the point of like serious hospitalization but they'll give you a good whack and they'll grab people, and it's almost like going to a haunted house would be, um, <laughs> if there weren't hand, handsy rules in the United States. But they do this at Christmas time in Austria. And, and please, our Bavarian and Austrian listeners, let us know how wrong I'm getting all of this stuff because I have not experienced this firsthand. But I have been to Salzburg, and I have a good friend who's Austrian, and these are just things that I've gleaned through, you know, my limited experience with it. But if you Google like Krampus yeah. Night. you're going to see some horrific imagery of guys in beastly costumes, chasing children around the streets.
2: That's what, that's what blew me away. If you Google image this and and trust me, listeners, it is worth it. If you Google image this, those costumes are incredible. I mean, they look amazing and they're really scary. I'm like, if I saw that thing, (laughs) I'd have a heart attack. I mean, it's really freaky. I mean, how do they have such, Convincing. I mean, just well-made costumes. Honestly,
1: I don't know. I mean, it's a major part of their culture. Think about it.
2: As um,
1: you know, think about all the crazy things we do for Halloween. Think if they just had one character to riff on, and how many cool ideas people would come up with for that character.
2: You know, it's true.
1: And and Krampus has been on their Christmas cards since like the fifties, like going back and he's often paired like side by side with St. Nicholas is like, Hey, I'm the good one and I'm the dark one. And we're going to celebrate Christmas, you know, and Uh I'm going to take your little child and chain him up and, and take them away to hell.
2: So I know you kind of covered this, but if you could help me understand a little more, what inspired, not what inspired, like where does his imagery actually come from exactly?
1: So my, you know, no one really knows, but he's got this bundle of sticks, the switch um, that, you know, I mentioned he beats you with, he's got these chains and they, you know, and, and that's what people don't, you know, and these are kind of his implements, um, his big staff, and there's debate about where different elements of it come from. Some of they say, you know, the chains come from like this Christianity idea of trying to rein in the devil. Others say the chains come from, uh, you know, part of the pagan ritualistic stuff. No one's really sure, you know. But the the, the basic belief is, is like with a lot of, you know, our Christian celebrations, we kind of took pre-existing uh, – you know, pagan rituals that were popular, like the solstice, and we reorganized our uh, our own traditions kind of around those dates that were already, you know, feast days or uh, days of celebration.
2: Or festivus, right?
1: <laughs> or festivus for the rest
2: of us. <laughs> so, okay, well, what's kind of creepy to me about this, though? I mean, if we're genuinely looking at creepy factor, is a lot of times something especially something that is prevalent that shows up in, in cultures. Um, A lot of times it's rooted in something. And so like, for example, we've talked in the past about vampires and how, you know, people would sometimes be buried alive. And so they would, you know, claw and scrape to get out of their coffin. So they would see claw marks if they'd have to exhume the body. And because the, the fingernails would keep growing. And because like, you know, the lips would curl and the gums recede. The teeth would look longer like fangs. Oh. I mean, that appearance of a vampire is is set, you know, inspired by reality and things that people interpreted. And so it makes me wonder what kind of thing must have happened <laughs> to, yeah. to have this creature. I mean, because it's really freaky looking.
1: Well, again, like this is a horn. This is a pagan horned god. Essentially. Um it's interesting because I, I I'm looking this up while we're while you were talking and I said that the greeting cards go back to like the fifties. They actually people as as according to Wikipedia have been exchanging Krampus greeting cards since the eighteen hundreds. Oh, so okay. um, well. it goes pretty far back. And apparently, you know, the the legend of Saint Nicholas um you know, the celebration of that goes back to like 16th, 17th century and Krampus is right there with him like that far back, so.
2: Well, that was great background. So Josh, my next question and, and Dave, feel free to jump in here. I mean, there, there, this has become in vogue now. I mean, there are all kinds of uh, Krampus movies. I mean, there's this new one here that we're going to talk about tonight. But we actually found a number of films. So let's, let's name those. Let's list those off here. Um, for example, there's uh, Krampus: The Reckoning, from 2015. Well, the
1: first one that I heard about that was a that was a feature that named Krampus in the title was the 2013 film Krampus: The Christmas Devil. Yeah. We- um, and that was directed by Jason Hall, who I guess is a big deal in um horror uh, conventions mm-hmm. in, in the in the United States. And we have a listener, Kay Porter, who tried to put us in touch with him um that's it, and that and it's also in uh is it Edinburgh PA Dave What's that, that? Edinburgh PA that No I'm
3: actually not familiar oh, I mean okay. it could be I'm not familiar with that with that town
1: Well um, I don't know I may be mispronouncing it, but Kay Porter messaged us um, in the comments for our last episode and said, Hey, my buddy, and I'll actually read what Kay Porter said. He's like, my buddy did the original C movie Krampus, the Christmas devil about three years ago. He filmed it in my hometown of Edinburgh, PA. Um, It was available at YouTube at first, but then got worldwide release via U via Walmart. Um, It's a really low budget film. Um, Jason holes film who we're hoping to talk to maybe even for this episode um was kind of this big hit due to its Walmart release in terms of I don't know if hits the right word it got it was widely seen because of its Walmart release and now there's even a sequel plan to it but I think it it also impacted this market of Krampus movies that were seen and one of the, which the follow up one I would say is Krampus the Reckoning that that came after um Krampus the Christmas Devil.
2: Yeah, and you said that there was a sequel, right, coming out. And now there's that. a
1: sequel to the original, and that one's called Krampus the Devil Returns, also directed by Jason Hole.
2: But yeah. I, re- I remember that, and not to take any credit away there uh, from what you just described, but I remember that M- Mike Dougherty, I-, I think he he's the one that directed Trick or Treat, of course. I think that he's been wanting to do a Krampus movie for a while, right? I mean, haven't we heard rumblings about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, and the first person I ever heard talk about Krampus was Kevin Smith. Actually, um, he talked about doing one years and years ago on his podcast. They would just riff on it. Let me say that rather than saying, rather than doing a movie, they would joke about Krampus. And as he often does, he turns his dumb stoner jokes into actual movies,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? As we've seen with. Tusk, for example,
1: yeah. and and he's has his own Krampus movie plan, and I actually think it was Kevin Smith expressing interest in this that allowed kind of people to believe that there was a market for it. You know, Kevin Smith saying he was going to make this movie. I th- I think that had the most um, effect on kind of the marketplace is, would be my guess.
2: And you're referring to um, Anti Claus, right? Which is yeah,
1: Anti Claus. It's a film he's been talking about for years. Um, Again, I don't know if it precedes Mike Doherty's um, you know, discussion about the film, but about his ideas for Krampus' film, but it was definitely something that um, Kevin Smith has talked about for a very long time. And this last year at Cannes, before all these other movies kind of hit the market... Ah, uh, Smith announced that he was going to make it with the same cast he made Tusk with. He's going to have Justin Long and Haley Joel Osment in the film. I believe is the same characters, so like a prequel to Tusk. Yeah. Um, it's going to have Genesis Rodriguez, Michael Parks, I believe, playing a different character. Um, and yeah, they said that they they were already looking had a green light. And we're looking for international distribution at last year's Cannes Film Festival.
2: <laughs> well, Aww. well, AntiClaus. Tusk and isn't there there's a trilogy right there's a third okay yeah yeah yeah. okay so and we're excited about it's actually four movies there's a there's also one called yoga
1: hosers that fits into that
2: oh that's right (laughs) so that's gonna be crazy and and I mean
3: I hope he still makes it I mean I know that there's been quite a few Krampus movies recently but I hope Kevin Smith still still makes it because I'd love to see his take on it
1: I would think unless they're already deep into production that the Michael Doherty film would have hurt the chances of Kevin Smith right. being made. Yeah, just that's because, unfortunate. Yeah. yeah that's unfortunate. So overdone
2: it. Well, and then there's, um, night of the Krampus from 2013. And then there's one that I found. I-, I happened to see it on Amazon. It's only 27 minutes. So it's a short film and it looks extremely low budget, but it's called Santa Krampus. <laughs> like, and then, and then you found a number of uh short Krampus I films saw a couple too. of
1: shorts there was a twenty twelve short just entitled Krampus a twenty fifteen short entitled krampus um so it's there's something in the air there's some some big interest in it it's so weird that this character um mostly unseen suddenly is everywhere and um the first film that I ever saw Krampus appear in was rare exports, and we're gonna talk about that film tonight as well Mm-hmm. But that was the first time I ever really saw Krampus on screen and I, I remember at the time not even really being conscious of who what this character was in the film you know what what was happening here and that film came out in Finland in 2010 mm-hmm. so that preceded by a lot Kramp, uh, rare exports is also based on a short film of the same title going back to 2003. However, if you've seen the short, you'll know Krampus doesn't make an appearance in that. Krampus is, is but a brief mention even in um, in Rare Exports. So
2: Yeah. Since we're on that one, do you want to go ahead and you guys want to talk about it now?
1: Yeah, let's sure. do it. Let's okay. talk Rare Exports.
2: All right. It's the most magical time of the
0: year. When traditions are honored... And the youngest among us still believe
2: in the spirit of the season. (gasps) All right, so Dave, you've seen rare exports, right? I have. Christmas. uh,
3: just recently, actually, within the last uh, week, week and a half, I'd say.
2: Okay, um, just kick it off and tell us a little bit about it, just in case people aren't familiar with it.
3: Okay, so it was from 2010. And it starts off with these people, the, the, this group of Americans, and they're excavating on a mountain. And uh, you get the idea that they're looking for something specific. There's this this sort of uh, the, the guy in charge of it. You know, you, you get the idea. They, they come across an, a bunch of um, sawdust as they're drilling. Yeah. And the idea is that sawdust keeps the snow and the cold in. So, you know, they're looking for something very specific uh, and and. It then it then sort of the movie moves down the mountain into this small town, uh, where you have this group of people or this 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 community that relies on reindeer for um, you know basically I don't know if they they herd them I'm not sure I I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure of I'm, I'm what they do with the reindeer,
1: um, but well in real life a lot of these com- um, countries. Uh, you know, uh, use them as a food source, reindeer. That's what but, I was
3: thinking. That was the, that was the feeling I got. Yeah. Um, they had built this big pen, you know, with, with this sort of electric uh, electric fence. Um, but And they're waiting for the reindeer herd. And all of a sudden you see just two of them coming over the hill. So they go to investigate and they find that all of the reindeer have been slaughtered. And they find a hole in the fence that had been built around this mountain by, you know, which is very close. I want to say close to the Russian border. You know, it's, it's close to a border. It's, it's close to the border of another country because um, what happens is the guys in this town, they're like, okay, whatever they're doing on the mountain drove these wolves down the mountain. They've killed all of the reindeer and now we're out the money. Now now we're done. You know, we're, we're not going to make it through the winter because we have no money. Um, and they start thinking of maybe, you know, what are they going to do? Maybe they're going to try and get the money back from this, from this company. They're going to try and go up there and say, hey, you owe us. I think it came out to like $85,000 or something along those lines. Uh, but the, the son of one of these herders um, seems to think that there's something else going on, and it has to do with the Santa Claus. You know, with, with uh, Santa Claus, and I'm guessing, I guess, you know, Krampus or that, that uh, he takes bad, you know, boys and girls. Um, and he seems to think that that has something to do with what's going on. And really what happens is as the movie plays out, you start to realize that this little kid knows a lot more than the adults do.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. Now, I remember uh, we almost ended up reviewing this on the weekly horror movie podcast. I remember
3: you had <laughs> you had thought about it, and then you had second thoughts.
2: Yeah, because after I saw, I saw it, assignment. I mean, I, I personally don't feel like this goes horror very much at all. So, I mean, uh, I think it's it, not much it of a has, horror film. It has me.
3: elements. I don't know that I would say no. I don't know that I would classify it as a horror
2: film. It's more of like a fantasy.
3: Have, Give has, me a break, it has you its guys. Moments. It's a it has
2: fantasy. Its Come on, Josh. You call this Give horror? Me a break.
1: Of course. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it's horror first, but it's, um, but it has, a, it has a scary vibe overall. Like it doesn't go hardcore horror at any point. It's like, yeah. but I would say the overall tone is very menacing, creepy. Scary, like it's not going for a fun, fanciful feel. It's going for a scary
2: overtone for the vast majority of the movie. Okay, it's not horror first. It's like horror 79th maybe. But no, I'm with you. Give me, a, well, give
1: you. me a, okay. So name <laughs> name me two other genres that are above it.
2: On this, yeah, Um would, fantasy, fantasy, fantasy and drama.
1: No way is this drama more than horror. Adventure. No, I don't know if
3: I'd put. I don't know if I <laughs> fantasy definitely. <laughs> Fantasy definitely. I could say now, call, call this really
1: a fantasy horror, horror comedy or something like
2: that. Yeah, yeah. I know people love this this tired old debate that we always have on horror podcasts. But the thing is, I, I just like to temper expectations. And and it's not that I didn't like the movie, because I I do, and you're right, it does have this creepy, unsettling tone, but I just wanted it to go farther than it does. Didn't you sure. guys? Absolutely. Okay, okay.
1: But I'm gonna say this boldly right now, before we review any of these movies that we're talking about. This is the best movie that features Krampus so far that's come out.
2: That you've seen, right? Cause I
1: mean, I, yeah, I, I guess you could say that, but I'm pretty confident that I've seen all the best ones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so these other like low budget ones that we mentioned, you're you're not holding out any hope that no. there might be a gem in there?
1: I mean, even the guy's best friend calls it a C movie. <laughs> 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 so, i see Um, i mean i've seen and i i'm I'm really actually looking forward to watching Krampus: the christmas devil but i've seen the trailers for it and i don't think it's going to be on the same rare exports colon a christmas tale rare exports um is fine filmmaking for a lot of it It starts out like a little rough like a lot of indie films you're like i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to watch this it gets really good and it gets better and better as it goes in my opinion now the ending suffers from a lot of the things that I like to complain about in movies a lot with CGI and things like that. Right. And the tone shift. But I think the middle section of this movie is very strong. Um yeah. I think it's this is the best movie that has a little Krampus. And although I will say Krampus is not like the focus of this film.
2: True. Right. That's true. But it yeah, I mean there there is a moment in this movie Rare Exports. And and even though I've said pretty boldly, I don't really consider it horror. I I still wouldn't hold it against any of the horror fans out there if they checked it out because there is a moment in this that's pretty creepy, I have to admit. So yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting little film. Scariest
1: Santa Claus in a movie.
2: I'll give you that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, that's what I'm referring to, actually. Yeah. In in fact, yeah, that Santa Claus is quite scary.
1: Yeah. Father Christmases, this movie features father Christmases and the short featured father Christmases as well, um, in a more comedic way. And I think this film is trying to go a little bit darker
2: than the short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I could see showing that this is like one of those, um, what do they call it? Like the, this is like a gateway horror film for like, you know, if you're teaching your young kids, To get into horror, I could see showing this to my son in a a few years, you know, maybe something like that. Well,
1: I mean, you know, a movie that we've had the is a horror, not debate on this very podcast with, I think the movie that this is closest related to that I could compare it to is Troll Hunter. Um, It's a film from the same region. It has a similar tone to me, has a similar look and feel. And I I I like them about this. I really like Troll Hunter and I really like Rare Exports.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the, that is a great comparison because they are very similar. Although I think Troll Hunter is far better because the ending to this is very problematic for me too, as far as that goes. But I honestly don't remember my rating on this, you guys. I think I was around like the six or five point five range, but I didn't call it horror. But like, what what do you guys rate Rare Exports, Josh?
1: Um, Rare exports. Okay, so just to be clear, the the feeling is this little kid is being hunted by Santa Claus. That's to, to me. That's the thing that I want to get across to people um, in terms of what this movie is about, and that's the idea that to me that is most scary about it. And I think it has some siege narrative uh, vibes to it at mm. times. It's got a bit of a, the Grinch stole Christmas feel to it at times. <laughs> Um, I really love this movie. I think it's a really fun one to watch around Christmas time. You know, when we did our uh, Christmas horror episode last year, I ranked all of the movies in terms of Christmassy feel. Um, I don't have ratings for those this year, but I w- I will say this one's high. Like this one comes in as this is a great winter movie to watch. It it's really fun and it, it feels like the holiday season to me. Um, it feels cold and harsh and and wonderful uh for this time of year so okay i'm taking all of those things into account i give this one an eight i think it's a must see and for me it's a buy I oh love wow i really like rare exports
2: okay uh, have you bought it yet or are you gonna buy it
1: i i own the dvd yeah
2: oh okay nice okay it's see the wolf man puts his money where his mouth is right there Okay.
1: This has been a favorite of mine for years, by the way. I I, I wanted to talk about this last year, but um, I, I, here's the other thing I will say. <laughs> I was a, I was a, I, I liked the short, and I was really looking forward to this based on the trailer. And I will say it was a disappointment the first time I saw it because my expectation of what I was going to get was very different than what I ended up getting. So this is a film that's grown on me over time, but I can say having had that experience is that it does grow on you over time, and it wasn't quite what I had hoped for. Um but I I've really become fond of what it is. So.
2: see I probably need to revisit it but like you know knowing that it's not a horror film in my book, yeah I mean I if I went into it that way, then I think I'd have a lot better time with it but what do you rate it uh, Dave Dr. Shock uh, I'm
3: very close to where Josh is. I'd probably say like a 7.5 and it's very <laughs> close to I'd probably say, buy it, because I can see this becoming something you'd watch each holiday. Totally. I mean, it very well may become something that I'm going to, you know, uh, watch. And, and another thing, it, it has a scene, and this is early on, so this isn't really much of a spoiler, where the father is building a wolf trap. And the trap he's putting together is is very intense. Um, you know, I know that if, if you go back to um, uh, they had these sort of in the Vietnam War, I can't remember what they were called, but it's a pit where there are all these sharpened sticks. So if anything oh, falls yeah. in there, it's going to immediately be impaled. Yeah. You know he's building this wolf trap. I guess based on what they have. Well, he's doing it even before we get we find out what happened with the reindeer and everything. Um, and you know that at some point in the movie something's going to fall into it. Mm-hmm. And the bungee is, pit. Yeah, bungee pit. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yes, the bungee pit.
2: Bungee with a p, um, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. pungy, yeah, pun yeah, And I remember bungee, I remember hearing they used to pee on those this was in Vietnam. They would pee on those yes. sticks and they would become infected, like infected. Yes.
3: Yes. But I wow. mean you're not going to survive falling into one of those things anyway, I wouldn't think. Uh I guess it depends on where you fall in. Um but it's yeah, weird because
2: urine I'm sorry, Dave, I'm such it, a jerk to interrupt you. Uh, urine is sterile at first, completely sterile. But uh,
1: fight club, but
2: what would you
1: say? I said thanks, Fight Club.
2: No, I, no, it is. I that's not where I learned that from. Okay, by the okay. way, <laughs> I I learned that from a doctor's office when I was complaining about peeing in a cup. But um, anyway, <laughs>
1: it was initially sterile, but I assume if you it will rot.
3: Yes,
2: the bacteria yeah. will will get going. But anyway, sorry, Dave. I'm sure that's everybody okay. was really interested um, in that.
3: But I remember seeing that. And you're just like, <laughs> I don't know. There, there was something about that that made it even a little bit more intense that this guy went through this trouble of building this, this pit. And you knew something was, and of course something eventually does happen with it. Um, but no, I liked it. I I really did. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I don't even think, I mean, the ending gets, it's out there. It's definitely
2: out there way out there, but yeah, Yeah, it's,
3: it's way out there, but I kind of liked it. You know, in a lot of these movies that you know, the kids usually know more than the than than the adults do. Mhm. This one takes it even a little bit further where it it makes the kid almost a heroic character.
2: See, this reminds you know what the pro- my problem is with this movie, you guys. It reminds me a whole lot of like something like Elf. It's like it's got a it's a blend of Elf too. <laughs> elf elf with what? with will ferrell talking, about, talking about i don't
3: see the, elf in this at all
2: i'm talking about the third act is what i'm talking about <laughs> the I'm, third act of elf i'm just saying in this i'm just saying i
1: watch elf a lot and yeah. this is
2: not that similar to elf. <laughs> well, ne- next I don't time think I, I don't
1: think one second where i was watching
3: rare exports that i thought of
1: Elf. <laughs> i mean i think the element you're talking about is the part that comes from the short film and the short film is pretty much all comedy um let's talk about the short film because we can do that without spoiling this feature film I think.
2: Okay, one one last thing before we do that. Sorry. Yeah. I I'm dying to know this from you guys. So it sounds like my two generous co-hosts here are saying that Rare Exports is pretty much the trick or treat of Christmas time. You know, as trick or treat is to Halloween, like a fun thematic uh-huh. holiday movie. Is rare exports the? I mean,
1: there are a lot of other great horror films, but in terms of those that come that are dealing with Krampus, I think it's the best. Yeah,
2: interesting. Well, okay, all right. Short film, go ahead, Josh.
1: Well So the short film starts out almost like a hunting film, and it's it's showing these um, Finnish or Norwegian hunters it, hunting their stalking their prey, and it's you know it's it's kind of following that's the familiar. We see it in its natural habitat, kind of like voiceover. And then um, you see what they're hunting, and it's a naked fat man running through uh, the brush with a long white beard. And they shoot him with these tranquilizer darts. And you find out that they're hunting Father Christmases um, to be packaged up and shipped to malls around the world. And and as Dave said, the home of the original Father Christmas. And um they have to spend a lot of time training them so they won't eat the children or attack the children because they're wild essentially wild animals in finland um and that idea is stretched into um and used a bit in the film but not but i think that's the part you're you're reacting to is that element i would just say the rest of the film is um it's not one of those shorts – I, I use the word stretch and that was the wrong word because I think a lot of the times when you adapt a short film into a feature, they just try to use that same idea and stretch it out and make that – make it fit. And I think they tacked the original short idea onto this, but they came up with a wholly unique um, storyline for this film and that, that part that's tacked on almost feels like the part that doesn't belong Well, in this movie. Because I think the idea of what they do, and again, I won't spoil it, is they play a lot with this idea of, you know, the, the mall Santa kind of being Santa's helpers and the dark side of Santa's helpers and Krampus and Santa and how those cross over and the idea of elves. And I think the way they take all of these ideas and kind of bastardize them and turn them all into right. their own mythology is really fun and a kind of an exciting idea.
2: hmm okay well I mean I think it's been four years since I've seen this unfortunately so I'm, uh, you know I'm kind of foggy on it but I think when it gets you know when the tone changes from creepy and it has kind of an uplifting sentimental type of nature to it I think that's where I really had a problem with it that's what I recall at least but maybe I need to revisit it it sounds like you can find the short film on Vimeo the director
1: has a production company called Woodpecker Films and you can watch his shorts um, on Vimeo, and including the rare export short.
2: Nice. It was nice. Yeah. All right, thank you. So that sounds good. And um, so that's our discussion of rare exports, a Christmas tale, and Josh and Dave say check it out, and I call it a, a rental myself.
1: It, Sorry, did you give a number rating?
2: Yeah, I I think I don't recall exactly. I think I gave it like a five point five or a six. I call it a rental, but I I'd say it's not horror too, you know. So, anyways. I'm just a big jerk about that. And let's move into our uh, feature review of A Christmas Horror Story.
1: Merry Christmas! Christmas. The most magical time of year.
3: Tell me we will find the perfect Christmas tree.
0: It's Christmas. Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition.
4: Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight
2: going off without a hit.
0: But in Bailey Downs this Christmas,
2: is different. Exactly. One year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime. Okay, guys. This movie, okay, there was a lot of buzz about this. Isn't that right? Uh, weren't we hearing that, you know... We heard
1: everybody- a lot of stuff about this movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I didn't hear about it, which I think is, would be valuable to a viewer going into it, is to know... This is actually closer to the trick-or-treat, I would say. Of this. It's an anthology. It's, yeah, an anthology. it's an anthology film, anthology. which I didn't pick up on until very close to the end of my viewing
2: experience. Right. Yeah. And and, and much like trick-or-treat, there's a slight degree of crossover, but it's almost to the point where it's insignificant. Um, for the and most that, part, and
1: I would say that that not knowing that was a big detriment to my viewing experience. I'd almost like to rewatch it knowing that, yeah, because I felt like the film was doing a really bad job tying all these disparate elements together until I realized, oh, they're each their own story, right? Which I had not picked up on. I thought the this is another one of those situations that drive me nuts. I was like, this is totally inconsistent internally because the rules of how this thing operates within this world are don't don't cross over storyline to storyline. Then I realized like, Oh, okay.
3: See, I had known that going in. I had known that it was sort of an anthology going in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I thought, see, I thought it was this movie and it was supposed to be one story and William Shatner's character is supposed to be kind of tying all of these things together for us. <laughs> and it, it, none of that was working and he didn't make sense. Like he wasn't saying anything significant for much of the film, although I loved his performance. All I right. thought he was a joy. Much of his dialogue
2: was unnecessary to the story. Um. Well, let me just tell you something about that real quick. Uh, Cause I, I'm busting just to, to that William Shatner element, he play he's like a DJ and he's sitting in his studio keeping the Christmas spirit alive with his eggnog and <laughs> liquor. <laughs> and and he's saying all these things. If I could just have a film of all that element put together, which was what, like probably what, fifteen minutes maybe? I don't even yeah, 10, know. I don't,
3: I don't even know if it was that much, maybe t-
2: ten. Yeah. Ten minutes yeah. worth of of him. Uh, I would watch that every single year. I loved those aspects. And and by the way, Josh, I think I was with you. I didn't know it was an anthology. And I think one reason why we were probably led to believe that it's just one story is because it's called a Christmas horror story yeah. <laughs> singular. So it's like, yeah, not the best title, but
1: you know what I would have loved is just if he was almost narrating these, if these were stories he was telling, On the the radio on Christmas Eve, like that would have made a lot of fun, I think, to reimagine this with him as a narrator in each of these tales and him telling kind of spooky, you know, uh, Christmas stories over the radio that I like that would that would be a format that I could get into.
2: Kind of like what we're trying to do. I guess uh, so a little bit, but you would not see, I thought it was perfect. Like as far as like him and his role in this, because it reminded me a lot of Pontypool. Like, and, and I love the feeling of Pontypool. I know like, yeah. you know, the Stephen uh-huh. McHattie performances, Grant Mazzy in that movie is just amazing. And this is it's like a one Christmas.
3: of the best. I mean, it's a great movie. Uh, Pontypool is a great movie, but Stephen would have to say is probably, the best element of it.
2: Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And
3: there are other things about it to like as well, but there's something about Stephen McHattie where you could see him being one of those type of you know, radio sort of, I'm not shocked, but you know what I'm saying, sort of like right. controversial uh, radio hosts, and he carries it off well, and he he's so good in that movie.
2: I, I totally agree. Um, and I, I
3: will agree with you about William Shatner. He's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's one of those people who's, Who's basically now has has a second career almost spoofing himself
4: yes. of yeah. the way
3: he used to be. Um and he's he's I think he's it's making him more popular. I mean, I've heard behind the scenes, I've heard one. I shouldn't say I've heard several. I've heard one behind the scenes recording of when they were making Star Trek, and what a jackass <laughs> <laughs> he was on the on the on the set of Star Trek. But I mean, you listen to all of his co-stars and everything, and they say that. But, I mean, there, there's this one, and I'd heard a recording like of, of um, I don't even know what the setup was, but the director is, you hear the director off screen saying, let's do it again, and, and Bill, have fun with it, you're having a good time, you know, just, just sort of have fun with this scene. And William Shatner, he goes, oh, he sighs, and he goes, can you not tell me how to play this scene? It disgusts me. <laughs>
2: I love it. And that's I the way it. he
3: was back then. Now he's sort of spoofing that.
2: Yes And I
3: think it's working for him I think it's
1: working for him really well Yeah I was on a plane with him last year Um, Oh wow He was headed to the uh, Salt Lake Comic Con And I was heading home to Utah from LA for work Wow Was was um, he the captain? No I wish That would have been great No actually it would have been terrible Because he was drunk as a skunk Um, (laughs) Yeah On the plane, right? But, uh, man, he was giving that crew hell. And there were a couple of people um, who kind of tried to talk to him about, you know, who he was, and he was not having it. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Well, wow. Was he I
2: sitting think, uh, in first class? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Nice. I
1: can see that. And it's,
3: it's funny because he That's was talking funny. about, I don't know, he went to some sort of, was it the Olympics when it was in Canada? I can't remember exactly, but he was talking about it, and he's like, you know, he he made a comment. I think it was in front of a convention. He said, "I don't usually pull the star card." It's like, "Come on, dude! You you you, you, you invented the star card. I mean, you're, you're, you're like you're like the originator of pulling the star card."
2: Uh, that's hilarious. So, Josh, would you uh, mind giving the premise to a Christmas horror story?
1: So, a Christmas horror story, um, as we've kind of mentioned, is three disparate narratives, um, all taking place seemingly on the same night. And it starts out with Old Saint Nick at the North Pole, uh, talking to his reindeer. He, you know, seeming seems like he's going to be heading out into, you know, do his perform his nightly duties. Then he turns around. He's got giant slashes across his face. He's bleeding. He's been through something heavy. Um, (laughs) Something's banging on his doors of the stables uh, where he and the reindeer are. And then it says 12 hours earlier or something like that. And then we jump into our first story. And there are a few different stories. There's a story about a family who's having a little bit of discord um, heading to a rich aunt's house for the holiday. And the father is um, kind of trying to have his family be kind of the perfect Christmas family, even though they're kind of dysfunctional as a family. And he's heading to his aunt's house to basically ask her for some money. And while at the house, the son breaks a Krampus statue,
4: <laughs>
1: um, which is weird in the first place. <clears throat> and then the family is booted out into the night and their car breaks down on the side of the road. And they decide rather than stick to the road, they're going to walk through the woods <laughs> um, and trouble ensues with them. There's another family who uh, father, mother and son are heading out into the woods to cut down a Christmas tree. And they trespass to get this tree. The son disappears Uh, They find him in the hollow of a tree, but he is changed.
2: He's different, yes. (laughs)
1: And then we also see uh, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus uh, preparing for the night. And one elf in particular has kind of a bad attitude and a nasty mouth on him. (laughs) And is not excited about um, what Mrs. Claus is laying down and, and gets a little mouthy. And then a little bitey, and uh, and there's and something crazy goes down at the claws at the claws compound, and these three stories are intercut with, um,
2: William Shatner
1: with William Shatner as our radio host, kind of just waxing philosophical about the holiday season while uh, getting tanked on eggnog, and <laughs> um and talking about some trouble he's heard about down at the mall, but we don't quite know what that's all about until. Quite late in the film, so
4: Mm
1: -hmm. that's the basic setup for each of these stories. And some are more effective than others. And as single,
3: I'm sorry to interrupt. There is one other story. Oh,
1: sorry. What was the? I'm forgetting.
3: The kids in the basement of the school. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's been a murder previously, or some kind of horrific event on Uh, the previous
3: Christmas, Christmas Eve.
1: Yeah. And um, someone was crucified in the basement and the police detective who found it has never been the same and experienced some kind of weird uh paranormal event and so the kids are going to take their uh, video cameras down into the basement to investigate um what happened the, you know the night the year previous. Yes. So those stories are all kind of happening at the same time. And again, so as as individual shorts several of them really work for me. Really? Um, I didn't experience it that way because I I actually hated it while I was watching it because I felt like these are not connecting well. Right. And it's really sloppy and this movie is a disaster. And then... And unfortunately, again, they, I didn't really, maybe it's just my fault, but I did not connect that these were supposed to be their own films until qu- quite late into the film. Right. And once I did, I, I was able to kind of look back on each of these separate elements. And, and I would say, ultimately, I think two of them I really loved and two of them I I, I didn't care much for.
2: Well, the, the biggest thing I want to put out front is that I um, I detested and despised the Santa Claus and his elves story, um, in, until about ninety-seven percent through it. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I didn't love it, but it oh. I, to me that ends up almost saving the entire film.
2: Yeah, yeah, the payoff is is quite it's- good
1: excellent i mean it's better than yeah. anything else in the movie by a large margin
2: and, and and don't you wish though that that and obviously we can't talk about this this is very vague for the listeners on purpose and i'm sorry but i just wish so much that that would have been developed better and that would have been the uh central focus of the movie in a better way
1: yeah it's interesting it's interesting i mean i i i i don't think this is a spoiler to say but just to, again give the listeners a little bit a better idea of what we're dealing with here you have one film that seems like a paranormal film, one that almost feels like a zombie-infected film,
4: mm-hmm. another
1: that feels like a monster movie where Krampus is your monster, and um, and you even get into some psychological horror. And, and all of these things are... Uh, oh, and then you get like the changeling body structure right. kind of thing mm-hmm. as well. So they're very different. And so right. you can understand why if you were trying to connect them and thinking they were all part of the same film it would feel really disjointed until you realize that they're supposed to stand on their own.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now the Krampus, by the way, the rendering or the appearance of the Krampus monsters, I'm so happy with, you know, I mean, I liked, I liked the look of this Krampus and, and as we'll talk about in the Mike Doggerty movie too, but um, what, I don't know. What did you think of it, Dave?
3: No, I think, um, like I said, I went into it knowing it was sort of an anthology, um, I had heard it described as such. Uh, I can't remember where I had, where I had heard that. Um,
1: I will give I had Shannon credit for the first person I heard really singing the film's praises on our message boards. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: yeah. And maybe that's where I saw, it. maybe it was on the message boards where I saw, it. and I can't say for sure that I saw that it was like an anthology, but, um, I did know that going in, I, kn- I knew going in that it was going to be, um, an anthology. So, I did, I did, I enjoyed it from the beginning. I'll be honest. I kind of, I did like, and I agree. I think some of the stories were better than others. And I thought that the one that could have been the strongest, like you were saying, Jay, was not the strongest for a while.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, the, the whole North pole, um, right. what was happening with Santa. That should have been what I thought, what I would have thought would have been the strongest, but it was not.
1: Yeah. You know, it was just, it the acting? Like, Cause some of the acting was
3: rough.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: A little bit, a little bit. Now, I did notice a similarity. There's an early scene in, and I'm, I'm not going to go into any detail here because it's a spoiler. But there's an early scene in the radio station where William Shatner is talking to a fellow employee. Right. Yeah. I did notice that it was the same, the same person who was playing another oh, character. Oh,
1: I did not notice at all.
3: I noticed that all immediately. I noticed that immediately.
1: Okay. Nice.
3: So I real, but but still. The, there is a twist at the end that I kind of... I still liked it, I, and I didn't see it coming. Or even with knowing that, I did not see it coming.
2: Hmm. Nice.
3: Um, Good eye on that, man. Uh, yeah. the, the, the stories that I liked the Krampus... I, actually, I, I can't say that I hated any of them, because I, I thought that... you know I, I liked them on different levels. Um, the one with the changeling, I thought, was kind of interesting. I don't know if it went...
1: None of them are great. Um, I I, like none of them Mm -hmm. really excel there. I think that most of them are fine. Uh Um, I think the Santa Claus related one is the only one that's like really elevated by the ending. Yes. But but the first part of it is pretty rough to sit through. And I like the idea of it because it is comedic. And I Uh know maybe that I don't know if that's the reason you had a problem with the J. Uh. It's very silly. Well, it's
3: the way the elves were. I mean, to, to become zombie is one thing, but they were like all of us start start spewing all of these obscenities.
2: Yeah, the elves drove me nuts, and then
3: it's,
1: an, it's a fear. It's like the fear infection, though, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean the, the 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 connection between the elves and the changeling were problematic for me, though, because they were similar. And that's mm-hmm. like, oh, this one person's acting different, and then how's that going to affect that? That was one of the things that really confused me. Um, and that same thing happened in the paranormal story too. So, and Santa's kind of said, okay, Krampus is behind this, but we know Krampus is the monster in the other story. So there were, there were a lot of things connecting these stories, um, and making it kind of a weird watch. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought there was, I think each story was underdeveloped and the Santa Claus one in particular felt like a lot of the same thing. Like it didn't really get, Anywhere, right? For right. most of it,
2: yes. Um, yeah, because if you if you were to like lay that out in its story beats or whatever, I mean that thing is very flimsy, very dull. Yeah, very dull and repetitive. I mean, there's
1: some cool. There's some cool ideas. I like what they did with Mrs. Claus. I like the the idea, even though okay, I didn't actually like it, but I thought it was interesting the way they revamped Santa's. Um, kind of location, like, you know, the North Pole location. Oh. And then uh, that makes it even more especially interesting in the ending. But I thought, oh, this is kind of a cool take on the North Pole, very different from
2: anything we've ever seen before. A
3: very different Mrs. Claus.
1: Yeah. Than what
3: mm-hmm. you normally <laughs> used
2: to. Eat, yeah. Papa. Just kidding. That was <laughs> Rudolph. <laughs> I, I,
3: I, now, in the, in the Supernatural, I think the Supernatural one was the one I thought had the best – possibilities but i don't think it, that was one that i was uh, i guess a little disappointed in
1: i hated that one
3: as as it was going i didn't <laughs> hate it but i can't say that i i, I thought it had
1: uh, you know it's sort of a typical a cool idea because it's dealing with the a christmas a familiar christmas theme yeah which is interesting but yeah. i don't think they pulled it off very
2: well there's a good jump yeah. scare in it though oh well, there say. is and and you know what the, if
3: if it sort of followed along the lines of the regular sort of supernatural. You know, like there's nothing in there that, that was new. Yeah. Other than the, than the initial setup of, of it being Christmas. And is it me or did that lead girl, Molly, did she not look like a female Elijah Wood?
2: <laughs> yeah. I
3: could not get over it.
2: I could see Every that. Every
3: time I saw her, I thought Elijah Wood in a wig.
1: She reminded me of the actress that's in Tomorrowland um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: stuff. I can't think of either of their names, but
2: yeah, I, I yeah to me, to me it like
1: was like Shailene Woodley the, when she was younger. Yes,
3: with the with the eyes, it was the eyes. It was just to I, I thought for sure that she was related somehow to Elijah Wood, and I, it doesn't. I can't see any connection that she is. Um, but that is exactly what I thought of when I saw her in in this movie. I thought she was good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought she was, I thought she was fine. Um, Of the three, I thought she was probably the best one. Uh, And, and what they were, you know, what eventually happens is like you said, Josh, it's, it's interesting, but as far as the supernatural tale, it didn't bring a whole lot new to the table. (laughs) I think for me, the two that I really, the the two that I I liked the most, I did enjoy the changeling one. um, And I liked the Krampus. I feel like the they kind of all gone. the
1: Krampus story was a little dull, but I, uh, I and I, I didn't like the ending of the Krampus story, but I liked a lot of the elements of
2: it. Right, hmm. right.
1: Did you guys like the ending? The
2: I very, didn't
3: have a problem. Pro- I didn't have a problem with the ending. Are
2: you talking you know, about? I didn't see it coming. The very ending.
1: Yeah, the very.
3: Oh, end. oh yeah.
2: I like. Oh, you're referring to Krampus? Or are you referring to the no, Santa the plot lines? Krampus. Line? Krampus. Oh, okay. Um.
1: With the with the it was okay two characters
2: yeah it was okay I mean yeah, I
1: I didn't love the I love the very ending of this movie um you, I think it's so brilliant actually it's yeah. and I would like to see a whole movie that dealt with that idea
2: oh yeah you're referring to the payoff yeah yeah absolutely it, it
1: reminds me of Christmas Evil in a way but like yeah. done way better
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely in fact I was like I was a little bit. Blown away, and that's why, and I'll just I
1: was completely blown
2: away. Meaning, well, when I say little bit, I I just mean blown away as in like with admiration and and liking it. So, so that takes this from not being an avoid for me. I mean, this is going to be, in fact, let's let's move into ratings now. Like, for for me, a Christmas horror story because of the way it pays off. Um, honestly, I'll give it a. Because of William Shatner and the payoff, I'll give it a six out of ten, and I'll say rent it. What do you say, Josh?
1: I, you know, I've gone back and forth because this was a really unpleasant first watch, but <laughs> right. But the payoff at the end, like you say, is almost enough to fix it. It's right. not enough for me, <laughs> but but the other thing that really fixes it is just knowing that it's an anthology, and so I I would like to revisit it, knowing that it's an anthology. I think it is a flaw in the filmmaking. Though, um, to not to not have that be obvious because it makes the film feel really sloppy. Um, otherwise, true. And so, to not announce that itself as an anthology is problematic. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, because like, for example, in Mike Doherty, I can never say his name, Doherty. Mike Doherty's Trick or Treat. Um, it, it's you know, it's uh, it's evident that they're kind of in the same town and everything is overlapping. But in this, it's not really evident unless you're really watching closely and paying attention to some of these overlaps.
1: And part of the problem is, and this is a thing that I would normally say, you know, I would get after you Jay, but the cover art is Krampus fighting Santa Claus. And so I'm thinking that payoff and also the way it's introduced like 12 hours earlier it feels like this is all coming to a head and it's all going to be part of the same epic tale. And it just isn't. Anyway, the construction is, is a problem for me. Right. It really uh, hurts the film, especially on a first time viewing. I think, I think I would be able to handle it better on a second time.
2: Well, I I will say the, the Krampus versus Santa Claus thing. um, It is, and it isn't (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, go ahead. Good.
1: Um some of the the cinematography was really perplexing because in some scenes it looked fantastic yes. and other times it felt really weak and it and it would and it was inconsistent in that way. Like I just I remember you know certain parts thinking, wow, this looks horrible. And other times being really impressed by it. The makeup effects are very strong. Like you said the character design
4: yeah.
1: for uh Krampus looks amazing. Um, Santa Claus also looks amazing. He's a terrible actor, right? but looks awesome. Um, and so there's, there's some really good things going for this movie. Ultimately though, I, I had it down at like 4.5 to 5 range, but that ending is so good. And, and the possibility of it being better on a second view. And I'm actually going to bump it all the way up to a six as well. And I'm
2: going to say rent it. Yeah. And, and props to uh, Rob Archer, who played Krampus. He's like six foot six, 285 pounds. Yeah. He's, he's a, a beast of a man. Yeah, And that's a, that's a compliment. So right. go ahead, Dave. What do you say about this movie?
3: Um, I, well, I, I am in a slight advantage to you too, because I did realize it was a, an anthology going into it. Um, so it's hard for me to say, how could you not know it was an anthology? Because I didn't go into it thinking it was all going to be connected, you know, so I can't, but for me, I, I picked up, I don't know, I could see where they were going off into, into different areas. It was similar characters. Like if you look at it, the, the, um, the, the cop who was in the video of the, that the kids were watching is the same one who's in the story with the changeling. Um, and, you know, what I, what I had said, and then William Shatner picks up a Christmas card from a family, and you re- you notice who the family is in the Christmas card that it says, right. hey, you know, Grandpa or whatever. So it ties in in that way, and, and a lot of it is along the lines of the way it ties in, like you were saying, Jay, with um, Trick or Treat, in that it's the same town, and every now and again you see one character from one story appearing in another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more generous than you guys because, I'd, like I said, I didn't think the Supernatural one – had a, it was good enough. It was good but not good enough. Um and I thought that the Santa Claus part for most of it was kind of weak. Uh I'm going to go with 7 though and I think it's a rental.
2: Okay, 7 out of 10 rental. Well, I have two things to say to the listenership. Number one, if you're a horror filmmaker, I know we've had people um, write to us and say that they write horror films. Honestly, if you would produce an effective Christmas horror film, it's like those people who produce these like, um, you know, patriotic songs or, or like like the fireworks song, right? Even though it's kind of a cheesy song, but every 4th of July, they're going to play the fireworks song. You know they are, big time. And And the same thing with this, if you produce a good Christmas horror movie, it's going to become, you know, because there aren't that many great christmas horror movie so that's one way to make a lot of money i just want to tell somebody that if you want to take that and run with it (laughs) And, and the other thing is if you're listening to this podcast it's going to come out december 18th if you're listening to this before christmas and you need something that's christmas horror you want to check out something new i don't think they could go wrong with this i mean it's it's not tremendous but it's still pretty decent right guys
3: it's entertaining I thought it's, know, fine. It, it's the third
1: yeah. it's third place uh, of the films we're talking about for me tonight
2: but Oh really okay I see I a little spoiler for my next uh, opinion I like this better than um Mike Doherty's uh,
1: it's definitely Perhaps. closer to trick or treat than his new than his new movie is that's true and and the more we talk about it the more it's winning me over to be honest um I just didn't enjoy my viewing experience, but I think if I thought of it as a trick or treat type of film um it works in that same way yeah and Dave made some great points so well yeah, t- it's it's winning me over slowly but surely
2: thanks for <laughs> not saying hell? I made great points but and i, yeah, and <laughs> I, and I
1: what did yeah. I just I wanted to be clear that it was judge. Dave that made the good point. Thank you very much.
2: And <laughs> uh, I was an idiot as usual. No, no, no. I just, Go I just, ahead,
1: Dave. In terms of the connection between the storylines, I hadn't seen it, but he, <laughs> he's right. They were there. Um, I guess I, to me, I was taking that as being that they were the same story. And so I don't know. It's just very confusing when you don't know that the way an elf is acting is supposed to feel different than the way someone's acting in a basement is supposed to feel different than a little boy who's come out of a tree. How does the forest with the Krampus connect to? And I can can see it. I can hmm. see it being a little unsettling not unsettling, but a little, you don't know
3: how to take it. If you don't realize that it is these separate stories, if you're waiting for them all to tie together,
1: it just felt really like, what are the rules of this world? And what's like, right. You know? Right.
3: Um, the question is, real quick, I guess you just throw it out there. What would you guys say if you had the one horror movie, if you could only watch one horror movie at Christmas, and you can watch it year in and year out, what would, what would it be? What do you think is your favorite Christmas horror movie?
1: Silent Night Deadly Night?
2: Oh, um, uh, probably Black Christmas 1974.
3: See, that's the one I would probably go with is Black Christmas from '74. Yeah, Silent Night Deadly Night
1: is, is oh, a, dude, a you know, that's true. Well. And I forgot about Gremlins. Oh,
2: my goodness, what? Gremlins
1: is another good one, yeah. But I, but I would probably Black, Black Christmas. Christmas, yeah, Black Christmas is better than Silent Night Deadly. The, this from, is Josh,
2: this is Josh. Um, There's the Grinch who stole Christmas special. There's no,
3: No, but uh, listen, Jay. I mean, when you you were when you were a kid, Gremlins could uh, Gremlins was. A scary you know it,
1: it there were things in them yes a lot of <laughs> Let's it is talking about this now. on the message boards like gremlins has some serious scares in it still yeah it, it does <laughs> and then and it's it's no
3: joke I mean people are getting killed in that movie
2: it's dark it it definitely it, is it, dark
3: it is definitely dark
2: yeah yeah it is and it is a beastly freak film I know I know it's like technically uh you know I hate saying it I do I know it's technically a horror movie but I just, I think of it as a kid's movie. But then we've even
3: talked about it. I mean, that story that, um, you know, Phoebe Cates' character tells.
2: Oh, I love that. About
3: why she hates Christmas.
2: It's my favorite satellite story of all time.
3: It's funny. As as much as I remember the other aspects of that movie, I remember that story just as much sitting there in that dark theater. Oh. Listening to that, you know,
2: and... And in yeah, fact, yeah. thank you. And I'm, I'm just such a jerk. I'm jumping in again like a jerk. Okay, pre- we'll set this up. So spoilers for Gremlins, if you haven't seen it. Dr. Shock, will you relay that story okay. to the audience? Because no, I've got, yeah, I've got something. So we're going to do
3: a quick spoiler here. Um,
2: for Gremlin Jess.
3: Phoebe is telling a story about when she was younger, her father was going to surprise the family by dressing up as Santa Claus and coming down the chimney.
5: Now I have another reason to hate Christmas.
2: What are you talking about?
5: The worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh, God. It was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were, were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple hours went by, Dad wasn't home. Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire and that's when I noticed the smell. Firemen came and broke through the chimney top, and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird, and instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve. His arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. Died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus.
2: Now, just a, a few weeks ago, okay, it's talking about real life horror. Just in case people don't know, the horror happens in real life. we got one more for you guys. I've been meaning to sh- tell this one here. There's a news story and let me just read it to you. The remains of an 18-year-old Colorado man reported missing seven years ago were found in the chimney of an abandoned cabin less than one mile from his home. The remains were found last month as contractors tore down the cabin in Woodland Park that had been abandoned for more than a decade. Authorities had to use dental records to identify the remains as those of Joshua Vernon Maddox, who was reported missing in May 2008, but not as a runaway. The uh, coroner speculated that Maddox was trying to shimmy down the chimney when he got stuck, and his death was ruled accidental, and there were no signs of trauma, Bourne said. It's unclear how long his remains were in the chimney. Uh, there are going to be some questions out there that are unanswerable, he said. However, authorities say the details of the death are likely to remain mysterious. Family yeah. members say that he was bright and doing well in school and not sure why he went into the cabin. I got up one morning and he was there and then he just never came home, said his father. But um, that's super chilling and that's the kind of, and of course, you know, total respect to this family and everything, not making light at all. But that is the kind of story right there. If I were a horror filmmaker, Josh, that's the kind of film that I would make is the story of that kid getting caught in the chimney because um, this is awful and horrifying to think about. But if you were stuck in that chimney and you had to come to terms with, I am stuck and nobody can hear me and I can't get out. I'm going to die in this chimney.
3: Uh-huh.
2: I mean, what is scarier than that?
3: How long was he in there
1: knowing that? Yeah. You know?
2: I mean, that's just, it freaks me out. I'll
1: tell you what's scarier than that is that bear story that the dude put on the message. Course. That was freaky.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one? Refresh the one I was memory.
1: referencing from the beginning of the episode with uh, the the dude put on the Killer
2: Bears episode. Oh, oh, okay.
1: If you guys haven't read that yet, go check it out. It is.
2: Terrifying. tell it tell it let's do it
1: well it's not christmas jay
2: so <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't have it memorized offhand but the basic idea was do we need to pull it up i mean if you well i, I just i say send them to the message boards because then then they
2: go to the message boards and yeah we, okay might be better so maybe the, leave that one hanging out there so yeah. the killer bears episode make sure you guys go check that out yep Okay. Grizzly,
3: what was that? Was, was Grizzly that Zone?
2: Episode? Grizzly Zone. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's move into our feature review of Krampus from 2015.
0: We heard something on the roof.
5: What the hell's this? Saint Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit those are hooves elk or goat kind of goat walks on its hind legs his name is krampus
2: okay guys so everybody knows by now because we've said it a million times tonight that the director and co-writer of krampus is the same guy who did trick-or-treat which i would say is a modern horror classic
1: i would Uh not go that far
2: you would not call that a modern horror classic now
1: not, not at all.
2: I'm telling you, Josh, people are watching that every Halloween. I agree.
1: I know that they are. I know it's beloved. I don't know why you like it because you hate horror comedies, and I would say there's a lot of comedy in that film, um, but I like it. I don't think, I think, I think it's a little overrated. Let me just say that. Wow. I like it. It's fine. I own it. It's a little overrated.
2: Yikes. Okay, well... I
1: know I'm not going to win any friends or influence anyone based <laughs> on saying that because I know it's insanely popular. Now
2: I'm mad. No, I'm just kidding. That's fine, <laughs> Josh. That's fine. So, anyways, um, I, I'm mad at Mike Darkerty anyway. Plus, I can't say his name and that also makes me mad at him. So, this is about an extended family's holiday gathering that gets ugly and goes south when the remaining young, kind-hearted Santa believer is ridiculed into losing his faith in Christmas and his good nature is turned sour. And so somehow this all mysteriously and mystically summons a blizzard and Krampus along with his minions who besiege and attack the family. So that's kind of the premise of this. Now, did you guys think... That, as this film opens like we 'll we'll skip past the the Black Friday um, very opening, but I think the tone of this is a lot like um, home alone
1: it's it 's totally derivative of every single Christmas movie ever made it 's not just home alone. first of all, it starts out with the beginning that we came up with from <laughs> our Black Friday special uh, last year. If anyone has not heard that, go back and listen to our back Black Friday episode. We thought of the beginning of this movie. Um, It's also in Jingle All the Way, though, I will say. Um, This movie's got Jingle All the Way. It's got a hell of a lot of Home Alone in it. Right. Um, Several times it it revisits Home Alone. In fact, I would even say the interior design of the house is Home Alone-esque. It's got Christmas Vacation heavily in it.
2: Yes, Um, lots of that. In fact... The uh the David Kickner character is cousin Eddie, right? I mean straight up. Clearly. And
1: and, and it's and it's a mistake because it's not handled as deftly as those films are. I mean, Christmas Vacation, the scene when all the family shows up and they're overwhelming the household, is done a hundred times better than this that same scene in this movie. Right. And so that's the problem. It stands out. Um I don't know. There were there there are a lot of times that I felt that watching this movie, I liked it though, and I think even though as derivative as it is, I think because it is drawing on all of those those other films, it's very Christmassy. Like of all the films we're talking about tonight, this one feels the most like a Christmas movie. Oh yeah, um, hands down. So right there for me, it's a it's a reason to put it on your watch at Christmas list because it's oh this feels like a Christmas movie.
2: It, it it does, and the best thing it's got like, some
1: ref in it. Sorry, that's the other one I was trying to think of. It's got a lot of the ref. Oh yeah, the
2: ref. I, I actually love that movie, but um, me too. A, a lot of so the best thing I can say about this is I think that uh Krampus looks amazing. I love the design of him, and the first time we see him, we we actually get a, a sequence where he's running across the rooftops. That Josh, I said it on Movie Podcast Weekly. That is one of the best. things things I've seen in the cinema in 2015. That looks incredible. Did that, did that, was that creepy to you? Did you love that? It was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Krampus has the same feel as the main character who, who, again, all of our listeners are going to know what his name is. I don't from trick or treat the little um, Sam. Yeah. That little character Krampus is to this film, the way Sam is to trick or treat.
2: Except, would you say? Huh, let's see. Maybe you're right about that. Uh, well, my biggest complaint about this, next to the gingerbread man, is that the mon- the quote unquote monster in this film really isn't Krampus as much as it's his various clowns and minions that are right hanging out with him. And man, I think that was. I mean, that's what I was saying about Sam. He's kind of like Krampus is kind of overseeing
1: the proceedings.
2: And I hate that. It's like Krampus is the monster, you guys, and he looks amazing. Let's get him in there. But he was he was in it so little compared to these, and and they have this these attack gingerbread men. <clears throat> it reminded me of Shrek.
1: Absolutely, and, it's straight from
2: Shrek. And it was so but, uh, they're awful. good at Shrek.
1: That's the thing. That's the thing that um, those gingerbread. You know, have you seen the the Halloween Shrek? Yes. Shows like the the zombie uh, gingerbread man is a great zombie story. If anyone hasn't seen that, I think it's actually really good. Um, but this is on the same level and that's a kid's cartoon. So it's tricky. Like, I think they do this fine. I just am not at all interested in it. Like they do it. Well, I just, I'm not, I don't like the gingerbread men in this necessarily. And it was hard for me to accept that they, they, they were in this movie. You know, when yeah. we first see the first gingerbread man in the film, we don't see it in all its glory. We see kind of an aftermath of the gingerbread man. And so I, I despise
2: it. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hate it more. It's very cartoonish.
1: I'm saying the first time we see it with, you know, there's a knife. I'll just say it. it's like it's stuck to the wall with a butcher's knife.
2: Right, right.
1: You don't know exactly where it's going, although I had my suspicions from the, at that moment. But... um yeah, when we actually see it in all its glory, I just didn't want it to be that movie. I want like you're saying, I wanted this to be a Krampus movie. And yeah. so I didn't need that. But it felt very trick or treat to me. It felt very much like to me those are the elements that feel like trick or treat. Are the gingerbread man and Really? Uh, yeah, all the things that I my biggest problems with this movie are the things that to me felt the most like trick or treat.
2: Wow. See, I, I, I felt like he, he was way off the, the path. I felt like Michael strayed on this, and I was very sad for him and, and for all of us.
1: Very, sim- very similar, similar tonally, I would say.
2: Well, I mean, th- here's the thing. I went into this, Josh, with a very open mind, believe it or not, because I was just confident it was going to be good. And the reason that I was okay with it being, I'm like, okay, this is going to be comedy horror, which I don't love. But as long as Krampus is scary, you know, because from the trailer, it appeared as though this might be actually kind of freaky, Um, you know, because the Jack in the Box thing looks kind of freaky in the trailer. And I'm like, well, maybe this will be a truly, um you know, it'll be a truly both scary and funny horror comedy. And I know that Michael Daugherty does fun things with his film. So I was like really hopeful, but the degree to which um, it's just kind of like this kid mania, you know what I mean by that? It's like all these like toy like things attacking and it's, oh,
1: small soldiers is what it
2: is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And
1: small soldiers is better than you would think. Like it's another one of those things where you're like, oh, this isn't is terrible, but it's just not my thing. Like, it's actually pretty good, but I'm not really into
2: it. Well, no, Small Soldiers is good uh, in yeah. a movie of itself. I, I gotta really, That's what
1: I'm saying. Small Soldiers is good, but I just don't – it's just not my kind of movie.
2: One time I was – I got a story about Small Soldiers. I'm a little bit bitter. Okay. <laughs> this is so random. One time – it was 1999. I remember it. I was hanging out with this gal, and – um. That's all I could say about that. But, Is that um, sexy? um okay. <laughs> okay, a little, a little, maybe a little. And, um, and, so, and, um, I noticed that she was actually watching small soldiers <laughs> instead of paying attention to everything that was going on. And I was like, s- <laughs> super offended because <laughs> I'm like, small soldiers for real? Like, anyway. So every time somebody mentions that movie, I, d- <laughs> I do like that movie, but I wince a little too. Because
4: you it, it, it you.
3: you. Yeah, you
2: didn't quite measure up, the small soldier. <laughs> you just destroyed me right there, Dave. That was like you—you you like devastated me. Touche. Yeah, I, I guess I could have been
3: taken several ways. That was—I don't know that I meant it the, the one way. But but it, was it was so
2: funny. You're like you just didn't measure up, the small soldier. Shut up, Dave. Like nobody asked you. So anyway, um, that was an overshare for sure. So go ahead. Where were we when small soldiers? I
1: mean. Uh, I mean, yeah, again, it just felt like, oh, this is from small soldiers. This is from Shrek. Um, I don't, I have not seen the RL Stein goosebumps movie, but I assume that the gnomes are very similar to the gingerbread men in this movie. Um, It just felt, it just felt like everything else I'd ever seen. And the scary scenes weren't as scary as I wanted them to be. Mm -mm. I liked the cast, but I don't think they did much with it. I think Tony Collette was good. Um, yes. I'm a huge Adam Scott fan, massive Adam Scott fan, and I yeah. thought he was a little flat in this.
2: I lo- I loved him in that. He was, was actually the only he's, character he's a great I liked dad in the movie. He's what?
1: He's a great dad
2: in the movie. Yeah,
1: but I did not think the horror stuff was very scary.
2: Uh, but aside from Krampus, of course, he was the only human character that I even liked at the, all.
1: I will say the kids, um, David Koechner's kids, are terrible. They're really, really bad.
2: Yeah, in both in performance and likability, which which is intentional that they're not likable. But but I think the per- their
1: performances suck. Yeah, I and mean, they really detract from the film. I thought Max, the kid that played Max, was excellent. I really liked him a lot. You didn't like him?
2: No, he he was good. He was good, I guess. But Now <laughs> we've come to think about it. But and um, I
1: thought Tony Collette was excellent.
2: Always, I believe she always is.
1: Yeah. Um, Krampus, I wasn't as in love with the character design as you were. I like the shape of him. I like the lines, um, but he looked a little fakey. Like I wanted more, I wanted a little more real in the face and stuff. You know, it felt like very, uh, I'm going to say this cause it's one of my favorite movies. Like the thing, like it just felt like this is happening and we're watching it happening, but it's not happening in the moment. You know, if that makes sense. Like it felt like it felt like special effects on display and it looked cool but it didn't feel like it was in this. I wouldn't feel like I'm interacting with it really.
2: Well, I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I think that's a fair criticism. And in fact, some of the Google images that, you know, I looked up on people dressing up like Krampus, they looked more realistic and lifelike than this Krampus, but, but as far, so yeah, he doesn't look super realistic and, so but I'll but, also say
1: that I didn't think the integration of the Krampus legend although I really appreciated the, I love the way they handled the language in the movie I love that the grandma was Austrian I love that, that that she speaks German and the kid speaks English back to her that all felt super real it was a great touch right um, I didn't think that their take on the legend made that much sense to kind of specifically tie it to that lady and to and then and that not really – pay. I mean, I, I know it technically pays off, but it didn't f- have the feel. In my gut, it didn't feel like it paid off, really, uh, with the grandma character. And I thought it was a little too specific. Um, I would have just liked something a little more true to the real legend of Krampus, I guess.
2: Yeah. W- well, I, and that's probably fair, too. The thing is probably a lot, not a lot of people know as much about it as you do. And so they do – they do set up, you know, the lore within the context of the yeah. film. So I think that's...
1: What did you think of that animated sequence?
2: Um, I, I liked it. I was a little surprised they, they did that, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, sometimes I like that when movies stick something in like that. I know that's very unlike me to, to appreciate that, but I did. And I got to give props to the grandma played by Krista Stadler. She's from... She was born at least in Vienna, Austria. And um she is the first <laughs> another confession. She's the first attractive old lady um <laughs> that I've ever seen. <laughs> which is to say which is to say I actually felt like she's got it going on. Like I like and, and I thought I bet when she was young, she was a dish. I mean, I bet she was gorgeous because she's really pretty as an old lady, you know? Now come the
3: small soldiers again.
2: (laughs) I'd watch Small Soldiers with Krista Stadler, the old lady grandma. (laughs) And she'd be watching it too. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, I thought she was tremendous, actually. I was a big fan of hers.
1: Yeah, she was good. I thought you said that David Scott or the um,
2: I was wrong. I liked Adam Scott
1: was the only human you liked, I, but then you said you've liked all these other. No, movies.
2: you're right. You're right. The little boy, the main lead, Max, and and the grandma, in Adam Scott. But for real, that's it. And Tony, <laughs> okay, her too, and that's it.
1: What did you think of the teenage daughter Beth? She's not in at all.
2: I did not like her.
1: I really dislike Aunt, Aunt Dorothy. Um, mm. She's an actress that I think has a good look and is I've seen her good in other roles but it was too I don't know she would she couldn't carry as much uh screen time as she had in this well, film edit.
2: well here here's the problem with that character I love the idea of making her monstrous yeah but they they didn't do it yeah they you know she ended up being really um kind of benign when it came down to it and I just noticed that she's from Charleston West Virginia she seems like a West Virginian. Honestly,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she yeah. looks like one. Anyways, um.
1: <laughs> I like I I, I want to like David Koechner, and I and I think he's a funny guy, but I've, I don't know. He usually just does not work for me, and this was another yeah. example of that. Yeah, he was a bad. Like he had some good moments.
2: I agree. I agree.
1: But, yeah, I mean, well, this- you know what, Alison Tolman, the mom. Linda, she's she's a great actress, too. It's a pretty strong cast, actually.
2: Well, no. Did you only like
1: Alison Tolman as,
2: as David Kuechner's wife? No, only the four I said.
1: <laughs> no, he's not going to admit it, uh,
2: Josh.
1: Even if he did, he's not going
2: to admit it. I'm pretty sure I say what I mean, Josh. Come she was on. pretty
1: good, though, wasn't she?
2: You're you're trying to trick me. This is a trap. No, I, <laughs> I
1: just, just I forgot that she was in it. That's the thing. I'm like looking at the cast list. I'm like, well, that person was actually pretty good. That person was actually.
2: Pretty good. Josh, come on. Let's 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 um, let's set aside all this nicey nice stuff.
1: It was mostly the you, kid actors were all oh, were atrocious.
2: Those you you were disappointed in this movie. Not nearly
1: you? as much as you. I don't think.
2: Come on though. This, I we, thought this
1: was much better than a Christmas horror story.
2: But we can both admit that um Michael Darty let us down and broke our hearts this no, Christmas. No,
1: here's 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 a perfect example actually. I didn't know I I knew I guess cuz I I had heard it before but I forgot. I when I watched this I did not know that he directed this movie. And as yeah. as I was thinking about the movie, I thought who would enjoy this? Like what kind of horror movie is this? And the first thing that came to mind was trick or treat, not knowing that he was the director.
2: Wow. I mean, I've been counting down for this just because he's the director. And even though the trailer looked like it was not necessarily my flavor of horror, I'm like, you know what? Trick or treat is one of the most fun movies I've ever seen of any genre. Just the feeling of fun pervades it. And is just prevalent. And I thought, well, this is going to be fun too. And I needed that. I needed that version when I say "need, I mean, I wanted that for a Christmas horror movie, and it just didn 't happen, so
5: anyway, uh, you get anything
2: else to say on this one, Josh, before we wrap it up? yeah, I mean I think
1: uh, I think it's pretty good man i I'm trying to remember there was a movie I talked about during our thirty one days of horror It was called haunter. it was the Abriel Breslin
2: movie. oh yeah, um,
1: this kind of reminded me of that a little bit the you know they they're kind of in this. Almost like another dimension, you know, where they exist, their neighborhood kind of exists. Like, it's almost like it was, um, you know what I mean? Like, how can I explain this? Yeah. It's like they're kind of closed off from the rest of the world. Right. And I, and I liked the way that was handled. I thought that was a lot of fun. I liked all the going out into the night stuff, the adventurous aspects of that. I, I, I generally liked Krampus. I thought it ended terribly. Um, we talked about this with rare exports. I think this is another case where the ending really sucks.
2: Yeah, because I honestly, I just, I didn't know what it meant. To be honest, I'm like, okay, well, what am I supposed to take away with that? Like, what, what am I supposed to conclude? I mean, yeah, one I
1: d- of our one of our listeners, Adam Lafferty, um, he tweeted us um, after he saw the film, which was before I saw the film. And he said something that was in my head the whole time I was watching it, frankly. Um, his tweet, I'm just looking at it now. He said, Home Alone meets Poltergeist. And with Poltergeist in my head, I, I and I love Poltergeist. And again, like most of the movies that this kind of homages, it doesn't live up to Poltergeist. But it made me go a little bit easier on those elements. Because I'm like, yeah, I mean, like this is not unlike Poltergeist. You know what I mean? And and so I don't know. I it I did not have the negative reaction to this. He did. I I would have preferred to not have um, the gingerbread men in it. I would have preferred to not have the small soldiers in it. I <laughs> would have preferred to have Krampus be a more direct uh, threat. But I really like the world that it takes place in. Even though it has tons of elements from Home Alone and Home Alone Two and the Ref and Christmas Vacation. Um, as I said at the beginning, having all of that also makes it feel very familiar and very Christmassy, and it makes it an easy go-to
2: Christmas horror movie for me. Well, it's it's another like thirteen-year-old's horror movie. Yeah, that's what it is. I
1: mean, and it's a PG-13 film, and I think you know this is one that if I was thirteen, I probably would. This would become a classic for me. I'd probably watch this every year for the next, you know, four years or so.
2: <laughs> four years. Well, I've got a little something for the listeners. I think that the context under which I've started to collect these movies. Now, um, there are three movies. Okay, this, re- this episode releases on December 18th, so you've got time to do this if you want. If you happen to have December 23rd off, okay, I, I have three horror movies that um, open at least or start on December 23rd. This one, Krampus. Although I will say, I read somewhere, somebody said it starts on December 22nd, but I'm like 99% sure it's December 23rd, because I, I take notes and I note things like that. But also, Windchill is a horror movie that is on uh, December 23rd, and Dead End takes place on December 23rd. And Dead End is really pretty good. Windchill is pretty decent. Krampus, not so much, but...
1: Windchill, I watched after your review... I don't know if I ever reviewed it on the show, but we did this and we you covered that in our Christmas horror episode last year.
4: It mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was
1: one I was trying to get to, and I had already bought the DVD, maybe even. But I, anyway, I I really liked it. It yeah. didn't it it doesn't feel very Christmassy at all, though. It would be like a, like a one on the Christmassy scale.
2: But but it does take place on December twenty third. There are Christmas carols played in it. And it's like s- s- just covered, it's all snowy the whole time, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely so.
1: It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's in the season. I just would, I, I mean, to me, I guess, um, the, I would just say that this feels very Christmassy. Like it feels like you're watching a Christmas movie, but it's got some like monsters and stuff in it too. So it's just kind of a fun, you know, horror esque addition to your Christmas watching schedule.
2: I'll tell you another thing I don't respect about this Krampus movie Uh, is that they stole a tagline. Um, You know, one of the taglines is better watch out. You better watch out. But that's, that's a tagline from um, the silent night, deadly night movies. I believe it's the third one. Silent night, deadly night three, better watch out, which is the (laughs) subtitle. Anyway. So, um, you know, I don't respect that either. But anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll rate it first since I'm such a meanie and you can close it out there. But I just want to tell people because the grandma's hot in this, I can't believe this is, I'm 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 just kidding. Um, but she is for real. I'm talking like, you know, like, but anyway, like this Krampus movie here is, it is fun. Okay. It's a good time. If you're going to like bake cookies, with your 13 year old kids at night, like you're going to break baked Christmas cookie. I could see putting this on in the background. If you want like a little Christmas comedy horror going on. Right. And yeah, the, yeah, that'd be fun in the, in the you're
1: a teenager. Or if you have teenagers and they're all going to get like all the cousins, this is one to watch when all your weird cousins are over and you guys are all like,
2: yes, in
1: that, like, Ten to seventeen range, and you're trying to find something to do. This would be a fun movie to watch,
2: right? I agree. Yeah, because like, yeah, it's, your parents told you you can't play spin the bottle anymore with them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Kissing laughs> Instead, with cousins,
3: grandma right? on the old ladies
1: with <laughs> this
2: <Yeah>. guy. <laughs> Anyways, this Krampus movie. I love the the creature design. The appearance of, is amazing, and and the only reason. I think to really watch this movie is to see him run across the rooftops and to see the monster in it. But otherwise you could probably YouTube that later. This is a 4.5 out of 10 to me, 4.5. I say, avoid it. What do you say, Josh?
1: You know, another scene I really liked is the tremors scene that's in this movie. (laughs) It's very tremors. Yes, it is. I mean, it's straight up tremors. They just use tremors. Uh, I liked it. And I, and this is a fun movie. Look, it's not, it's not going to change your life. I think if you like trick-or-treat, I don't know how you don't like Krampus. It's the same thing. But uh, no, it's, not. it's not as hardcore, but it's the exact same tone and the exact same approach to horror. It just doesn't go as far with the gore and, and twist it. You know, the other one's got some more it – it's a little more twisted. But this is a PG-13, and I think it's exactly what you would expect from PG-13 horror comedy from the same guy who did Trick or Treat. I don't – to me, that's what this is. I, And again, I made that connection not knowing he was the guy. So, I don't know. To me, it feels very similar. Um, I'm going to give this a 7.5. I'm going to say it's a rental, although oh. if you're in the mood to go to a movie in the theaters, this holiday season – Go check. You might as well go see it in the theater because it's not, it's definitely worth seeing. So rent it and see it in theaters. It's not a buy for me. But if, again, if you are a teenager, have teenagers, this might be a fun one to spin on the holidays. I mean, I watch way worse movies around Christmas because, like Jay <laughs> said, there aren't a lot of great ones.
2: And so. Wow. Yeah. This. Way
1: worse. Silent. I own Silent Night, the remake. That's way worse than this.
2: Yeah, the 2012 version.
1: Yeah, I own that. Yeah, with the- I own Windchill now. I own P2 now, be albeit, mostly because of the discussions we had last year on that show. Hey. Which, again, if you ever heard that, go check that out. But there aren't a lot of great Christmas horror films, but they're still fun. <clears throat> There's not a great Krampus movie yet. And I think that's a shame. And I really like Rare Exports. I don't think it's got much Krampus in it. And the Krampus it has isn't. Exactly what I would want. So I'm still waiting. I'm still holding out for the great Krampus movie. I don't know that Kevin Smith's going to be the person that brings me that either. Um, but I think, again, Google Image Krampus Night, Austria, and there's got to be a better Krampus movie that we can get out of this monster because it's an excellent monster. <sighs>
2: We get two tremendous voicemails from a filmmaker named Adam in Chicago. And the the first portion of the voicemail is where he talks about contrast and how, if you keep your contrast low on your TV or what, you know, when you're viewing a movie, that it can actually help to preserve and maintain the scares. This is very insightful. Something sparked his thinking about it after seeing the Forest trailer and then trying to watch it later on YouTube. And so. This is a cool voicemail. And then right after that, Adam leaves another voicemail where he reviews uh, Krampus from 2015. So thanks for calling in, Adam. I love this.
6: Hey, Jay of the Dead and friends. This is Adam from Chicago Um, calling because I just went and saw Krampus, which is a totally other separate voicemail that I would need to leave to review my quick thoughts on that. But in the trailers, there was um, a film promoting The Forest, Looks pretty good, and there's a scene on there where she's in the shower. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, and I would suggest you look it up. However, this is the reason why I'm calling. It got me thinking how much contrast, like visual contrast, like on your settings, affects a horror movie, which is something I never thought of, and the reason why is because when I saw the trailer of it, uh, that scene, it looks like there's someone standing about 10 feet back in the hallway, the doorway of the hallway, and then they slightly move, and the way they move, they were standing there the entire time. They were just It looked like it was filmed in a way where their shaded part was shrouded in the darkness. And it, and it was terrifying because it was subtle, but all of a sudden it was right there. And I showed my wife later on on YouTube. I uh, was so excited for her to see it. And I was immediately let down because the contrast, I guess, was different. And you could clearly see that he was just standing in the hallway and was not effective. And it really got me thinking... How often is that put into play? Is that something that's even considered? Um, I make film, and, uh, you know, we've done it as far as lighting and filters and all that stuff goes later on in post, but um, for a scare, yeah, just something I never thought of. Check it out. Make sure your contrast is low, I guess, so it scares you. All right. Bye. Jay the Dead and Friends, this is Adam from again. I said I would call back with my Krampus quick thoughts, and here I am. Krampus, what do I say about it? I... I really did love almost all of it. And a lot of people are saying it's really not a horror movie. I would, I would disagree. I think, I think that the filmmakers set out to make something that was respectable in many genres. Jay, I don't know if you've seen it, but it definitely has a lot of a survival, survival horror aspects to it. It's a creature feature. So a lot of it's read reality, and they're really affected with everything that they do. I thought maybe it'd be a little schlocky when I walked into it. And it wasn't. They set out to have a lot of respect with the actors, uh, more of the adult actors given the performance. The, ma- the main kid, uh, he's good too. And uh, I was really on board for pretty much the entire thing. The ending feels a little sloppy, just the end sequence like within a few minutes, all of a sudden things get rushed together, which was surprising and makes me feel like there was something in editing because the movie takes its time with really building things up. And um one thing that it does very effectively, I don't think most people are going to think about it, uh, but maybe it will subconsciously plant itself in there, is they try to adopt all these different tones throughout the film, whether it be horror, different types of horror, survival horror, like themes and, and cliches, uh, not, not cliches, but I guess tonally, holiday movies, family movies, and it's like they're trying to emulate certain tones, which can be a pretty disastrous thing, I think, for people to do, and they... Every single time they do it, it's like a home run out of the park. It's like they've been doing it the, the entire time. It's so fluent, but yet they're doing so many different things. Uh, I would say see it in the theaters. It's pretty fun. And uh, Krampus has got a lot of, when they shroud him in the dark, it's really cool. I don't know if I'm the, the biggest fan of what they did with his face, which is it's just a lot of confusion with the design because the design with everything else was pretty great but I'm not sure if they were making it a mask he's wearing. I fail to believe that they just would make that sloppy or that lazy of a face that he has. So I think it has something to do with the mask. I'm not sure. Use your own judgment. But I would totally see it in theater. There's definitely, you know, not a movie like it. And um, I think it'll please a lot of horror fans. I really do. So go check it out.
2: Do you know what uh, Christmas movie we didn't mention again this year, which we covered last year, but... It's actually one of the better Christmas horror and that's a uh, scent or Saint or Saint Nick from 2010.
1: Oh, I think this is way better.
2: Than <clears throat> oh no, not me. Not me. Like I, I would put that up pretty high. On the um, list. I also
1: like storm of the century a great deal.
2: Oh yeah, man! That's one of my that's one of my favorites. Actually, that's a fun
1: movie to watch. It's not a great, it's not super high quality, but it's a lot of fun to
2: watch. Well, it feels like a TV miniseries. It is a TV miniseries, <laughs> right? Exactly, but uh, it delivers the goods, though. I, I like where it goes. I mean, it's a long story. If you get snowed in, here's the thing: if you get snowed in, and you're gonna be like stuck in your house. Definitely watch Storm of the Century. Another one it would be good to watch for that, which is not Christmassy, but it's good for getting snowed in, is uh, 30 Days of Night, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Those are fun together. But um, guys,
1: if you like Trick or Treat, you know, Jay said this about a Christmas horror story. I don't think you can really go wrong with Krampus. I think, actually, those would be two great films. If you're a big Trick or Treat fan, I think these are two great movies to watch together for your Christmas season. Go to Krampus in the theater and then watch... Christmas horror story at home. They're they're in the same ballpark, both of them.
2: Well, in a second, I'll talk about Silent Night, Bloody Night briefly before we wrap up. But I just want to say, I'm not going to mention Jack Frost from 1997. But there are, there are movies like Santa Claus, C L A W S from 1996. Uh, there's Christmas Evil from 1980, which has a pretty unforgettable ending. <laughs> and then there's Don't Open Till Christmas, 1984. Santa's sleigh, Slay S L A Y. We never
1: reviewed that one, did we? No.
2: Which one? Okay, Which one? We got to
1: do that next year. Santa's Slay.
2: Yeah, from 2005.
1: That
3: is right. that is a comedy. That has quite a
2: bit of comedy. Yeah, that's Goldberg Christmas
1: Horror it. 2016. HMP. Be ready for
2: it. We'll see if I can get around to Santa's Slay by then. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> super excited about that.
3: You got, of course, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that. There's uh, the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise, all those movies, which the third one, I always like to say this trivia, better watch out. It is one of the only sequels in the Film Snobs Dictionary that is recognized by Film Snobs, which is weird. Um, Josh already mentioned Silent Night 2012. We mentioned Scent. And then there's To All A Good Night from 1980. But uh, finally, just want to bring up... uh, Silent night, bloody night from 1972. I had been curious about this for a long time. And then we actually had, um, this mentioned on the message boards as well. Um, now Josh, you started to watch it and you said you turned it off.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, I was traveling. So for the last two weeks I've been in, uh, the Caribbean and it's been crazy. So I, um, it wasn't because it was terrible, but I did have limited time and I thought I'm going to watch Christmas horror story
2: instead of this. It was,
1: it was hard to get into. Let me put it that way.
2: Well, I I will say about this. I mean, a lot of the copies we were talking about before we started this, um, uh, first of all, this film, when it came out, like it was, it was filmed in 1970 and then it didn't actually get released until 72. It was kind of a bomb. It was low budget, like this little indie type of thing that didn't really get noticed until it was. Um, it aired on the Elvira show, right? What What was the name of her her show, you guys? Elvira's movie Macabre. Yes. Okay. So you know, it, it started out at the drive-in in the early seventies, and then it actually fell into public domain. And then in the mid 80s it was on Elvira and then it started like picking up this cult following and people actually started digging it. It was released on home video and because it was in public domain, people were just taking it and making copies of it. And so this this comes in a lot of different sets. You can buy it with like, you know, and it's included with a ton of other crappy horror movies. And um, it's it's an awful, awful look. To the film. I mean, but I will say, and yes, they have since released a better version of it, but the, the version I watched was the terrible looking version. And it actually added a creepy kind of um realism to it because it opens, the opening to this film is very unsettling to me. You have this guy run out of his house on fire. That's the opening scene. And then you, you um the the camera kind of go moves through the house. do you remember seeing this part Josh? The camera moves through the house yes,
1: sorry, I was on mute.
2: no that's fine and somebody else is in the house and they're playing so this person is playing these like church hymns on this organ and they're kind of hunched over. you can't tell who it is and honest to goodness, I watched this last night. I was very creeped out from that scene. Because it, it was like so many things came together. It's like, okay, that person either, they obviously set this guy on fire or didn't do anything about it, but he ran out of the house on fire and died. And and this person just sitting there playing the organ. So, you, you take from the scene that that person set him on fire and now is calmly playing hymns. And Man, it creeped me out like big time and the way it looks, and the camera goes backward, okay? It's like and it's called dolly out, right, Josh? It dollies out. <laughs> and it and the camera's moving backwards, and your your perspective obviously is the camera. And so you go past this person playing the organ and they show up on your right. And so at first you're kind of close to them, and then you're moving away. And and as I talk about it, I have cold chills. So, honestly, I think the opening, just watching that, is worth it in this film. Well, I think the score is pretty creepy as well. Like, it's it's pretty subtle for the most part. I mean, it's just a lot of low stuff. Um, but otherwise, the film is kind of a, a snooze fest, to be honest. It's about this man who inherits this mansion, which was once a mental home. He visits this place. And he begins to investigate some of the crimes that had happened back in the day there, and it's kind of freaking out people in this region um, That was a terrible premise, but I got it from IMDB because honestly it was it was so boring that i mean here's what this movie is, aside from that opening scene which I loved it's a lot of asking questions it's a lot of like (laughs) the characters drive to one place ask questions what happened here what happened there okay well let's go see and then they drive another place well what happened to him what happened to her okay let's go see and then they just keep driving around driving around and it's like what's going on and there are kill scenes um but you know nothing too spectacular this is this is actually a proto slasher um to be honest like if we're being very technical about it, this is one of the proto slashers, and it's nineteen filmed in seventy, released in seventy two. So it would have to go in that list. But, but honestly, uh, other than the ambiance of just like kind of having it on, like I, I was, I was sitting up with the Christmas lights on, and I was watching it kind of in the dark, except for the Christmas tree, and it was a little bit creepy. So for, for under those circumstances, I give it like a A 5 out of 10, I give it a low-priority rental. That's Silent Night, Bloody Night. We have an excellent voicemail here from Kagan in Salt Lake City, Utah, who had his first experience watching Black Christmas from 1974. (laughs) I love his reaction. Thanks for your voicemail, Kagan. Here it is.
0: Hey, guys, this is Kagan from Utah calling in again, and it's about, you know, 6.30 in the morning, and last night, after I listened to your Christmas 2013 show, I watched Black Christmas on your recommendation, and you guys, this movie is the scariest thing I've seen in a long time, and I know it was made in 1974, but oh my gosh, I was asleep in my house, and every, while well, trying to sleep in every creek in my house after I watched that movie, it was just scaring me to death. And, uh, the morning after, it's still dark outside, and, uh, it's, Oh my gosh, it just gives me the willies, it gives me the chills, I'm telling you. It is actually a scary movie, and the ending of it is just probably the most perfect ending to, uh, you know, a slasher movie or most horror films I've seen in a long time, so I just want to urge anybody who hasn't seen Black Christmas to go and watch it this year, because it's a perfect holiday movie, and, uh, it is actually scary, and it holds up. And I can't wait to see it again. Anyway, looking forward to your Christmas show. See ya.
2: Are we done bothering the listeners? (laughs) 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 Is there anything else that we want to harass people about?
1: Not formally, maybe in our closing.
2: Okay. But I think
1: um, I think it's been fun. I think we, you know, it's interesting to me that we have, you know, we've talked about Christmas horror movies now three Christmases in a row, and I think it's interesting that there were so many Krampus films to talk about this year. Really, the only <laughs> films that were kind of new. This year, that were Christmas horror were all Krampus movies, which was pretty crazy.
2: And we talked about a lot about my love life and my preferences. Yeah, the small soldier. Yes, yeah, my mm-hmm. small. <laughs> don't talk about my small soldier on this podcast, Dave. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, well, I got something to plug, and it's it's my favorite show of the year. How weird, Josh, that our favorite shows would be back to back. Our next episode, which is episode seventy nine on horror movie podcast, this comes out on, um, I'm going to try to put it out on December 30th, actually, which is a Wednesday. That's what I'm going to try to do. So, cause I want people to have it for New Year's Eve, you know, in case they want to do that. But we are going to do our top 10 horror of 2015. Unfortunately, Dr. Shock will not be able to join us on that show, but we have Bill Shetty coming in. And let me just say, I'm going to say this just out front. It's my favorite thing the man does. His top ten list at the end of the year is the best. I mean, I just I look forward to that. It's one of the things that I look forward yeah, to. Yeah, and I each always year. try to
3: check out his list as well. I try to see you know as many movies from it as uh, as I can.
2: Yeah, because he watches so many more than I have the stomach for or the patience or the time. I just can't. I mean, I every year, Josh, when, after I hear Bill Shetty's list, I get really pumped. I'm like, next year, I'm going to be, I'm going to watch like 500 horror movies from that year. <laughs> and then I'm going to have the best list. And then like, you know, I just, I can't do it. I'm like, I got to watch something good, you know, because so many of them are terrible, but he sifts through like tons and tons most of the releases that are even available to people, he sees, and then he brings you the ten best. And honestly, Dave, in my experience, they're almost every single one of them is great.
3: Uh huh. Well, there's something about them that that are really yes. I'll, I'll agree.
2: Yeah. So anyway, make sure you join us for that. Um, I'm sure Josh will be bringing it to the table. He, Josh, I think you've seen a lot, of, a, a lot more 2015 horror than I have this year, even. So I mean.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of get, get, sift through the films. There's films that um, I forgot were even this year. A lot of our listeners um, on our previous episode were kind of talking about their their top 10 horror films of the year, and there were some that was like, oh yeah, that... I- that was a long time ago that's probably still my top three you know yeah the films that were had a big impact on me early on this year
2: I think that just about wraps up episode 78 of horror movie podcast we thank everybody for listening and we wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy winter solstice and uh, Dr. Shock what do you say for your plugs what do you want to tell listeners to do
3: well, same as always uh, DVD infatuation.com follow me on Twitter at DVD infatuation I do have a Facebook page, and I am on the Land of the Creeps podcast with uh, Greg Amortis, with uh, Haddonfield Hatchet, and with uh, Jesse Robbins.
2: Okay, Josh.
1: Um, I just wanted to recommend a couple things to people. First of all, yeah, my favorite episode of the year is the Christmas episode. I just love Christmas horror, so if you have not yet, please, and even if you have, honestly, I re listen to it. I love it. Go back and listen to last year's Christmas episode. It's a lot of fun. It's on the sidebar there at horrormoviepodcast.com. If you go down to the bottom of the themed episodes, I've got the Christmas episodes listed there. You can hear last year's and the year before. Uh, They're really fun episodes. And I also still recommend you listen to the Black Friday episode or re-listen to it. It's a (laughs) great listen. It's so much fun. Um, Some of the most fun conversations I've ever had with Jay of the Dead here um, have been those Christmas and Thanksgiving episodes um also just another random film to recommend it's not exactly horror it's a mockumentary found footage style film and it is shot though in the way of kind of those bigfoot um in search of type of shows it's called stalking santa oh yeah <laughs> and the reason i thought of this it because it's also narrated by william shatner <laughs> um and that's kind of a fun movie to check out i would recommend it it's it's just a, if you're looking for something new to watch this holiday season if you don't want to watch all the same movies that you watch every year um it's not amazing you know I'd give it probably like a seven or a, or something like that but it's different and it's a lot of fun um, Josh, I, Santa.
2: I have a, a random association with that movie too and
1: I, I know I know personally actually one of the actors in it but that's not why I'm recommending Oh okay. What's
2: what's your association? <laughs> Just the the night I was going to wa- watch a screening of that here locally, my wife's water broke for our first child. So no Why? Yeah, so I will never forget that movie that I didn't see. Anyway. Like <laughs> that's weird. It's so weird that we bring up these random movies and I have these like Girl-related associations with that it.
1: That's really weird.
2: So, anyway, and,
1: and your specific stories have also been weird.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, okay. <laughs> it's been a very weird night, I have to say. But
1: and the last thing I want to recommend, mm-hmm. you
2: know, we've just been talking about you've been talking about
1: Christmas horror. The, the movie I have to watch every year when it's wintry outside is John Carpenter's *The Thing*. Aww. It fluctuates between my number one and number two horror movie of all time, depending on, you know, the day of the week it is. But definitely watch uh, The Thing this winter season if if you haven't yet or if you have.
2: And today, as this releases, which is December 18th, it is Star Wars Day. Episode seven, The Force Awakens is out in theaters and we're going to be releasing our seventh episode on Movie Podcast Weekly where we covered all seven movies in a row of star Wars. So make sure you check that out.
1: Oh, I think, I don't know if it's too late for this, but the time you hear this, but there's also going to be, I think a live episode of the sci-fi podcast. Um, that's going to be, you can watch live, live from the movie theater. They're going to be interviewing people about their star Wars experience at the movie theater. So,
2: Oh, nice. I'm cool. excited for that then. Well, as we've mentioned, we love your comments and make sure you get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community, where we have the best listeners in the world. To keep those coming, you can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode, or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. And you can find all of our past episodes, our entire archive, all 78 of this show, including the episodes from the weekly horror movie podcast, I think there are 26 in total, and from Horror Metropolis, there are 10 of those. And those are all found at our site, horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at HorrormovieCast. And I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. I'll have that linked in the show notes. And I think that's it. So on behalf of Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh, I am your host, Jay of the Dead. We thank you for listening and join us again on about December 30th for our end-of-the-year top 10 horror of 2015 show on Horror Movie Podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies. Merry Christmas.
5: Tail no, soldiers! Butch,
0: meat hook, sniper, lethal from any distance, sir. Good to have you aboard. Big nitro demolition is my mission. Serve with your father. He's a good man. Brick bazooka artillery ready to go full bore, sir. Save it for the enemy. Link static communications, awaiting dispatch of orders, sir. Double up on your rations, Sparky. Kip Killigan, covert insurgent, sharp as a razor. Sir, let me see that weapon. Standard issue is insufficient all right ladies now listen and listen good our mission destroy the gorgonite enemy defeat him yes Yes, sir. sir there will be no mercy
4: search the area